0: And welcome to episode 420 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. My name's Nev, and uh, welcome to a slightly cooler day, I'm pleased to say. And uh, joining me this week in the PTUK Master Suite studio is Matt, who's been slightly stressed with a couple of technical issues. but And some last minute
1: changes that none of us knew anything about. <laughs> no, I don't think. What could possibly go wrong, eh, Nev? How well, are you? No.
0: <laughs> yes, how are you, mate? Anyway, you Yes,
1: on? not too bad. Yeah, i got this cough that just won't go, but I think uh, I think we, 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 we've we all had that lately, haven't we? So, uh, yeah, we're just muddling on, as they say, muddling on. How about you? What have you been up to?
0: Uh, a hectic week. Uh, flying delays. Uh, angry German people. Oh. <laughs> um because i pushed in in front of a queue in just oh, airport on dear. tuesday morning um and <laughs> a number of other things which we may get to oh, later okay oh uh, i like
1: it. i literally <laughs> can't wait I, I do love a bit of beef <laughs> there
0: you go uh you'll make notice that carlos is not with us tonight uh, he's got some other stuff going on this evening uh but there's a fantastic super sub um delighted to welcome uh as we call him, A320 Andy. I'm sure that's not his real name, but you'll, you'll know him from the times that you spent on the
2: show previously. Hello, uh, Andy. How you doing? Hello. I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having us on again. Uh, I enjoy being the super sub. It's got yeah. fun. Well, and you never know what you're going to get.
1: No, <laughs> <you're>... no. <laughs> that, that ain't that the truth. <laughs> no, it's great
2: to be back. Thank you. Good stuff. How's things with you? You've been flying much uh, this week at yeah. all? No. Uh, no as i said uh before we started the show I've, I've basically been office bound for most of this week got back from holiday on saturday and went flying on sunday but as usual when i come in here i'm in a hotel room for those of you watching lovely and i'm off flying in the morning so oh, i'm nice. sober tonight oh dear yeah <laughs>
1: Oh dear. I mean that that help, that helps with my blood pressure personally but that's just <laughs> but that's just my that's just me you know. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll be here. Excellent. Excellent. Good well. stuff.
0: Well I've been uh, at the start of this week uh, had a slightly unusual situation where I flew out to Dusseldorf from Heathrow on Monday but my return flight was cancelled. Um <coughs> which is a bit awkward so they decided that they would like to fly me into london city airport instead which oh. was it's always a great experience going in there <laughs> unfortunately the cars over at Heathrow. right um but it did give me the chance to use the new elizabeth line oh. which is a superb it's formerly known as crossrail and it works really well so from canary wharf to paddington was just over 20 minutes um which was
2: fantastic and then is this train talking uk now it to, is, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, forgive, forgive the geek <laughs> me. Which, which, so you said so it was Elizabeth line. What, what day was it? Uh,
0: that was uh, Tuesday uh, afternoon.
1: Now, of course, uh, if, if uh, even in the states, uh, our weather has. Uh, has uh, made their local news uh, yeah. stuff on, on Monday was informing me I mean what was it like on Tuesday because I mean I, I actually went into the office on Tuesday and I swear it was worse than it was on Monday
0: <laughs> yeah I, when I was in uh, Germany on Monday it was about sort of 35 degrees but by, by the time I came back on the Tuesday it was like 39 or 40 degrees mm. and there was a bit of delay at Paddington so I was just standing around on the, uh, <laughs> on the station concourse yeah. in 40 degree heat which is As not, you do. not a lot of fun no
1: indeed see. but they're supposed to, it's supposed to be um, isn't it air conditioned the this new Elizabeth oh flight? it
0: is yeah, yeah all, all the way and it was really nice from that point of view so mm. that that was great um so i flew into london city airport i've done that yes. a few times uh, before um and i think matt's got some videos yes indeed yeah, as indeed as well yeah. um now because of its five and a half degree glide slope um the ground comes up much faster than you would expect right. on a normal uh, approach. Um, the runway length itself is just over fifteen hundred meters, which is just under five thousand feet. So there's not a lot of room for mucking about when you when you stick it down. It was really bumpy on the approach as well, and again, this was due to the heat, I think, uh, in the uh, in the area. Um, but I was talking with uh, Tony who's the one of the training captains with BA Cityfly who operate this service from Dusseldorf to uh, uh, City Airport uh, and he was saying that the speed control on short finals here is really critical, there's not much margin between the lowest and the highest speed and of course when they're doing this 5.5 d- degree glide slope approach they've got the speed brakes up as well at, at a set position so that the aircraft doesn't start um, gaining speed too quickly, but as you can see, the ground comes up really quickly compared to a normal uh, flight. And then um, you have to get it stopped because there's only, you know, less than 5,000 feet of runway to, to play with. Um, and as we pulled onto the gate, he was telling me that um, again, the brakes were uh, quite warm anyway because of, of the kind of stop they have to do. Right. But again, you add into the 40 degree ambient temperature heat. And that starts to become a bit of a problem. So I'm going, oh, not another set of hot brakes yeah. uh, in as many weeks, you know, after the yes. Copenhagen incident. But, not, I say, uh,
1: not that you had any excitement on your last flight, of course, which we no, covered last week. No, yeah.
0: We didn't get the fire engines out this time. Very good. Uh, yeah. but, um, <laughs> I was just going to ask you, Andy, you know, in, on the sort of routes that you fly, if, if you've got uh, shortish runways
2: with high ambient temperature, is, is that a problem for brake temperatures for you? Um, they do quite often get high. Uh, I was in Antalya last week and it's not a particularly short runway but it was 41 degrees down there
3: hmm.
2: and they heated up pretty quick they were topping out three fifty, three sixty before we uh, turned the brake fans on because that's another great invention the brake fans to help cool them down
4: Yeah, you start to get fans. worried if they start
2: heading yeah so it's big fans literally like a desk fan attached to the uh, hub of the wheels uh, to blow air across the discs
1: so I mean, uh, now I, I, I just I just really wondered. I mean, that sounds like an amazing thing. Uh, Jeff, by any chance, did, do you have such things on your aircraft?
5: Like, uh, like what exactly? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Sorry, I joined late. You're all right.
1: Uh, yeah. Am I coming in okay? Yeah, you're a little bit hot, dear boy. A little oh, bit hot. Lem- oh well, yeah. I haven't yes. been told
3: that in yeah. like, quite, quite a number of years. Actually. Wow.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah. if you for the for the sake of, uh, of everyone else on the show, if you could dial it down a bit, that would be lovely. You know, oh yes, yeah. How's that? Oh, that's oh, that's that's verging on beautiful. Okay. I thought
2: uh, that was a green screen behind you, Jeff, until I saw somebody <laughs> walk in with your food. Yeah, it's a, a real thing.
5: It's, it's a real airplane. It's real. Me. <laughs>
3: yeah,
2: yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Love it. This is great. <laughs> Well, well I'm using my Starlink antenna um, oh. here uh, for the very first time on uh, a live stream. So, not sure how that's going to work out. Okay. Uh, but it's, um, I don't know if you can, well, you probably can't see it behind me, but uh, through the hangar door opening is my car, and on top of my car is the uh, Starlink antenna. I should have uh, snapped a photo of it so that uh, I could show you guys. But that is uh, the device I'm using to uh, get online here from Clintonville, Wisconsin. Okay. I almost said Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, the birthplace of what?
5: Of Herman, the Duck Airlines. Herman the Duck Airlines. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, there you go. Never have heard of. Republic. Re- oh, Republic. And, uh, oh. And North Central. Lovely. Wow.
1: Excellent. Um, you, you, it's, like, it's, it's like having talk back, Jeff. It's, 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 <laughs> no, I'm
5: sorry. It's like, yeah, Liz is right, sitting right here yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, instead of uh, in my headphones. Uh, she's just like standing. No, she's not. Yeah. Uh, shall I t- show you this, the guys uh, who owns this hangar and airplane behind me? Oh, I think so. And the reason why I'm here in Clintonville, Wisconsin. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm going to point the camera over to him. And his name is Chris Ott. Here we go. Off for a quick walk. Go. Hi, Chris.
3: Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hello.
5: Oh, uh, and now you can probably hear him. Hi, gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Hello. Hi, Chris. Ooh, good say? to see look you. Look this. Thanks for joining. Nice to see you too. Yeah. He's a, he's a he uh, follows, watches, listens to your podcast as well. Oh my goodness. We're well, oh, very very honoured. Man. Thank you. <laughs> so, what's right. going on in
0: uh, Oshkosh then, uh, Jeff? What's the uh, what's the plan? Well,
5: um, I got into Oshkosh on. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to rearrange the camera here. Yeah, I'll just move myself. Um, got into Oshkosh on Wednesday midday and got the tent all set up. And um, I'm in Camp Scholler, or more specifically, Camp Bacon. Uh, you may have heard uh, Glenn Taller talk about Camp Bacon okay. at Oshkosh Air Venture. And uh, it's kind of just a little section of people that it's not really a, a, an official organized group, but it's uh, anyway, a group of campers in a certain area of Camp Scholar, which is the campground located at uh, Whitman Field, uh, where the uh, EAA Air Venture is held every year and has been, I don't know, since 1950s or something? I don't know, a long time. Um, Anyway, uh, got that all set up, and then uh, so I just spent the second night there last night in my tent. I haven't camped in a tent since I was uh, probably about that tall, you know. Very, and no, I'm I'm taller than that now. Are you? Okay, Pretty right, smart yes. Alex. Um, I know what you are thinking. No. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, not a lot going on yet at Oshkosh because officially Osh or Air Venture does not start until Monday. I think right that's the official Wow yeah Monday morning
1: is, is there a lot uh, going on already even though it's sort of like early doors and stuff
5: well um, I tell you what I'm I'm amazed at the how full how's my sound level is that okay that's
0: yeah, great
5: okay yeah. um, I'm amazed at the number of people that were already uh, Set up in their campsites. Uh, when I got in, I thought I was arriving early. You know, the Wednesday before the Monday that the show starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was already quite full, and um, and now it's it's getting really really packed. And the uh, again, the show has not officially started. I'm not even sure if they're letting people into the gated uh, area where just vendors, just vendors and those folks you know setting up their displays and that kind of thing before the show starts. So not a lot going on honestly um right now but it's going to start picking up airplanes are starting to fly in and park on the uh, on the grounds at whitman and um yeah i mean, for, uh, for, for somebody uh,
1: who spends most of his life running around like a lunatic frankly uh, it must be quite nice to just sort of have a few days where you can sort of settle in and and sort of you know go and have a proper nose round
5: i mean obviously you're talking I mean, to
1: me yeah absolutely about me yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, okay <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah it so. is nice yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, so let me tell you, uh, if I may, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to run your show. It's no, not my right. show, it's Carry your on. show. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, um, I, I was contacted by uh, Carlos uh, a few days ago mm-hmm. and asked if uh, uh, I would be uh, available to guest host, and I said, yeah, I, I always love the opportunity to, to meet up with you guys and uh, do your show. <laughs> and, uh and so he said, okay, Friday, blah, blah, blah. And I worked out the time zones eventually. And uh, so, Chris, uh, h- how long ago, Chris, uh, did we um, did we uh, have our little meetup? You drove from here down to uh, Madison, Wisconsin. And we had a... Four years. About four years ago, oh, wow. I met Chris. And he drove down from here to Madison. And we uh, went, ate at a barbecue place and had a nice chat, nice meetup. And uh, so when he heard that I was... Uh, Coming up here, you know, Mm. he said it'd be great to get in touch or, you know, do do a meetup or he Mm. said he'd be in and out of Oshkosh uh during the actual show. And uh but he has he has a real job. He owns a business and uh so he you know, he's a busy person. He can't just take the full week off. So he's gonna be off and on there. But um, I um he, he called. he texted me uh, yesterday morning and said, "Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Um, like mid morning uh, through a little afternoon?" I said, "Well, I'm going to be on the PTUK, the world's best aviation podcast." <laughs> and uh, he, I mean, that's exactly my quote. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, um, how much is I, this going to cost me? By the way, <laughs> uh, it's going to cost you a lot. Oh, okay, for um, <laughs> it. Um, I mean, I'm looking but... at. I'm looking at my. Uh, my face, I'm thinking I should have brought some fill light. Oh well. <laughs> um, so, uh, anywho, um, he said there's this thing at a um, little airport about half an hour from here called um, Central County Airport. And what's it, C68 or something like that uh, is the uh, airport identifier. Little tiny airport with uh, grass strips. And every Friday, uh, throughout the year, except uh, during Oshkosh next week and uh, Christmas, I guess uh, every Friday they uh, meet. Uh, they have like a fly-in, drive-in for oh, lunch. Wow. And uh, he said, "How would you like to do that?" And I said, "I, I love to eat, and yeah. I <laughs> like to watch airplanes." So I did that. Now, originally, we were thinking we we would do it from there, but then mm. we started thinking, uh, that we're not going to have enough time to." Uh, grab a bite to eat and then drive all the way over here and set everything up. Mm -hmm. So we left before they started eating the grilled pork chops. But uh, luckily, Chris went out and got some uh, Culver's, um, a a wonderful double cheeseburger and some French fries here. So that's what we're eating instead. And we just got here and I apologize for not being here you know <laughs> a few minutes before you started the show but. i
1: feel i feel bad now because you, you as i say you've missed out on 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 pork ribs i mean that that that, that no, does, that's feel, like right. I, that does well, feel like a crime well it was
5: pork chops so <laughs> oh, it right. oh, right. if it were <laughs> if it were pork ribs matt i wouldn't be here i'd <laughs> probably take yeah. the rest of the afternoon i <laughs> amen to that but, absolutely yeah. oh wow
2: when i heard you were joining jeff i thought oh great is he going to be sat outside that little tent of his that'll be brilliant
5: Yeah, well, I I was thinking that I would have been uh, had I not gotten the invitation from Chris to uh, come up here. Mm -hmm. And we're about, I think it was about an hour's drive um, to the north-northwest of uh, Oshkosh, that, that Place that we were going to have the, um, or they had the fly in. Mm-hmm. Got to see, what? how many airplanes did they say? 29?
3: 30? Uh, yeah, probably north of 30. But, yeah,
5: north uh, of 30 uh, aircraft uh, that flew in, and most of them are tail draggers, you know, with big tires, um, but a pretty good, um, uh, I, I guess, representation of a lot of different ty- an, uh, a, an arrow, a Piper arrow, and uh, some armies, some, you know, yeah. Bear, uh, Bearcats and yeah. that kind of thing. anyway, a lot of um, you know the kind of airplanes that can land on grass strips without even thinking about it, and uh, so that was fun watching all that. Got to meet some of Chris's friends and acquaintances, and uh, anyway, so enough of that. Enough of Chris. Enough of me. I'm here <laughs> to help you guys do a show and eat french fries and hamburgers
1: absolutely well what yeah. what we'll do is we'll, we'll read the stories jeff and then perhaps we can get you to sort of chip in so that you've got time to okay. enjoy your burger before it goes cold i think that's oh thank
5: you yeah for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely one of the
0: things uh, i was going to say jeff of course uh, it's rather poignant i would imagine but obviously there's one person missing it uh, Oshkosh this year that everybody will be missing there and that's uh, Glenn Towler and I don't think I fully realized how much Oshkosh meant to him and when uh, Nick Pip and myself went to his funeral I don't think his family realized how much aviation meant to him either um so it's going to be a a very unusual Oshkosh in, in that respect isn't
5: it it is and uh, and you know I can everywhere I look uh, you know, and where I've been so far, I can't help but to be reminded of Glenn and the fact that this was like one of his, if not the most favorite place on earth yeah. for Glenn. And uh, in fact, he, um, I believe, uh, camped at Camp Bacon when he uh, came up here. Not all, of, all the time, but uh, there, you know, he, he is part of the uh, Camp Bacon group. And uh, we're going to have a uh, Hillel uh, had a fundraiser for uh, raising money for a, a memorial brick that we're going to um, we're going to have a ceremony on I believe Thursday at the uh, Brown Arch, and I'm not sure exactly the time. I think 10:30 in the morning or something like that. We'll try to get the details on that. But um, uh, all of us that are here that New Glenn. Uh, are going to meet, and we're going to have some kind of a little uh, memorial, uh, you know, a, a ceremony or something to to kind of remember Glenn. And uh, he is uh, sadly missed. And hey, Glenn, if you uh, if you're watching, we miss you. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Very nicely said, Jeff. Thanks ever so much
0: for uh, for that. Um, well, just getting back to sort of our agenda at the moment. Then, uh, whilst I was in Düsseldorf uh, this week, I had a very nice meet up with our listener Dirk S and um, we went to a very nice uh, steakhouse just uh, near to the Hilton airport uh, sorry Hilton hotel where I was staying which is about three or four kilometres from the airport and I think Matt we might even have a picture of me and him absolutely yeah lovely picture isn't it now what it's, it's, you, you won't see from that picture is how tall uh, dirk is Oh, is he's he? a lot taller than me <laughs> uh, which is not obvious in that picture at all but uh I'm glad he he's also one though. of these <laughs> one of these fellas that he can eat anything and doesn't put on any weight oh. whatsoever. Um, this oh. is not a problem that I have <laughs> <No>. myself, obviously. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: so. no, yes, yes uh, As I say, in my case, Exhibit A. Uh, oh, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, oh wow. I, I mean, I, I mean, I assume the to- topic was obviously aviation, was it?
0: Uh, mainly, yes, uh, and thoroughly enjoyable it was too. Uh, it was. It's really nice to get out and, and meet uh, the listeners from time to time. If we can make the um, the, the, the timetable and the, and the agenda work, yeah. so it was an absolute pleasure to meet. Meet Dirk and um, we talked everything from cars aviation audio the whole thing oh, really. wow, so okay. it, we, it was great I had a really nice time there so thank you Dirk for, for being there and uh, I shall return at some point soon this year I'm sure so I'll give you a call and we'll meet up again
2: indeed be,
1: indeed nice. he's saying uh 1.95 meters by the way is, the, is yeah, that, that yeah is, that, that is that's quite, quite tall, tall isn't it yes. Yes. What's, yes what's that in old money for those that uh...
0: <laughs> oh it, it well it feels like about six foot five doesn't yeah, it? It does. <laughs> so, yeah yeah well, i haven't actually looked it up but uh, indeed. yeah so it sounds
1: um, yeah so it sounds like a good time Nev. really yes
0: does. absolutely now just a little bit of housekeeping to yep. talk about uh Next week it's one of those weeks where all the holes in the swiss cheese have lined up where <laughs> none Perfect. of us are available to do the yeah, show which is a rare um, thing it's a and rare thing. and we can't find a way around it at all so mm. we've decided that next week we are going to skip a week if that's okay with everybody. Yes, sorry uh, just simply because we're, we're just not around in the right places to do this. Indeed, um, But we'll be back the following week. And I'll remind
1: you I can, you I can do it
5: for you if you'd like.
0: W- would you mind,
1: please. Jeff? Yeah, yeah i I'll send you yeah, the, I'll the stream I'll key details. Jeff. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, We'll have Andy and Jeff. What could possibly go wrong? I think it will be great. <laughs> it will be the best show ever. <laughs> it yeah. probably would, actually, which is why it's not going to happen because uh, <laughs> I don't want to feel bad. <laughs> right,
0: exactly. <laughs> anyway, so we thought we'd let you know about that now now yep. and we'll give you uh we'll remind you remind you again at the end of the show as well uh, so uh, but uh, indeed so that's about all for the moment yeah we are um, missing someone so, from
1: the show uh and uh, armando isn't with us uh, this week but uh, he has sent exactly, us a little yeah. video message
4: good evening good morning good day wherever you are in ptuk land i am here at mcconnell air force base the home of the kc-135 and the KC-46 tanker that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show in the military. Just giving you guys a little bit of an update, I am now in week two of training on the Hawker here in Wichita, Kansas. It's going well. The ground school portion is complete, which is uh, very tedious to get through in any new airplane. And the next phase, uh, starting today, we go into the simulator to do all those things that we talk about that are nice and challenging that will you will never do or hopefully never do on the airplane but we've got some great stories for you today got some good military stories here at the end of the show and just to give you guys a little update on the competition our military fans are beating the commercial fans uh, the number of correct answers uh, coming in is very impressive and it is a very obscure question. I'd had a lot of people come up to me or sent me a message that said, uh, really they weren't sure what I was getting at, but believe it or not, everybody that has sent in a response, you're on the right track. I'll let Carlos decide when we're going to uh, finish that competition. The, I'll give you a little hint. The first portion, the aircraft is correct. Everyone that has sent in an, an entry is correct. The, for extra credit, where they flew out of and what bomb group hint hint uh those answers are a little bit all over the dartboard so keep them coming in and hopefully we'll get a uh a a spot-on winner here pretty soon all right take care y'all
1: thank you Armando there we are he's always he's never in a crap location is he (sighs) he's always doing a
0: new tight break isn't he for, for something honestly
1: he sent us a video didn't he during the week I, I should have counted it actually before the show he sent us a video didn't he which uh, had um, all the aircraft that he's actually type rated on in a little video uh, uh, did you see that in the group chat that we've yes. got yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely stunning anyway he's adding yet another one to the field as we speak <laughs> there's
5: no stopping him is there i no. know
1: how, how many type ratings have you got jeff just the one isn't it
5: <laughs> um well don't tell anybody i don't have any right no i'm just okay. kidding um <laughs> I only have two. Okay. Uh, The 727 and the DC 9. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I've never actually flown a DC 9. Right. Just to be clear. But (laughs) the DC 9 family includes the DC 9, although different series, and also the uh, McDonnell Douglas 80 series, 90 series, and the Boeing 717. Right. They're all. Under the type rating or certificate of DC nine.
1: Wow. So. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to throw that question to Andy before we get stuck into our commercial. I'm surprised we haven't been told off by John by text yet, knowing him. But uh, I mean, how many how many aircraft are you type rated on,
2: Andy? Current one. That's oh really? Three twenty. Just right. But out in New Zealand, where I learned to fly, you had to have an individual type rating for every type. So I've got five or six on my license
3: oh
1: wow okay very cool but the, A- the yes that the a320 is the important one obviously that's the one that's <laughs> that's keeping yes, you employed it, it is current it is yes, current, it's current absolutely. and employed. absolutely <laughs> trust me it's current. <laughs> it is i promise yeah absolutely right okay there we go are we ready Nev?
0: so yes uh, having said all of that it's now time for some commercial aviation indeed
3: the captain has turned the seatbelt light, please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts.
0: Well, of course, this week it's been the Farnborough Air Show and uh, we know a lot about that. We've been there a couple of times ourselves with with Jeff and and with others as well. Uh, But Farnborough is traditionally the place where there are deals and announcements made. So just running through a few of these and these come from Bloomberg.com, Reuters.com, Flight Global, uh, Auto Evolution, uh, to name a few. Uh, On Tuesday, uh, Delta Airlines committed to purchasing 12 A220 A300 aircraft and then EasyJet confirmed on Wednesday an order for 56 A320 NEOs and upgraded 18 of their previous A320 NEO orders to A321s. LATAM confirmed an order for 17 A320 NEOs on Thursday and Airbus Upnext announced a flight test program called Blue Condor to study the contrails produced by a hydrogen combustion engine. The project will launch using two modified Arcus gliders. One will be equipped with a hydrogen combustion engine and one equipped with a conventional kerosene-powered combustion engine. Uh, Airbus have also announced that a new interior configuration for the A350-1000 will permit 10 abreast economy seating. I've done even, never even heard of that uh, selling class, <laughs> um, and potentially adding up to 30 seats to the aircraft. Uh, the increase will be possible without compromising seat width by reshaping the cabin wall linings and providing additional interior width. That's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, some news from uh, ATR. though well, They've signed a letter of intent. For up to 36 aircraft with Field Air Holdings, which is a new Japanese regional carrier. Uh, Gabonese airline Afrijet purchased one new uh, ATR 72-600. Emerald Airlines, which was launched in February of this year, who operate uh, Aer Lingus Regional Services from Dublin and Belfast bases, sign a global maintenance agreement with ATR to provide repair and maintenance services for the airline's ATR aircraft for the next eight years. Abello are to acquire 20 ATR aircraft with a firm order of 10 ATR 42-600s. Which is the short takeoff and landing versions, and 10 new ATR 600s. Uh, on the Boeing side of things, not to be outdone, Delta have signed an order for 100 Boeing 737 MAX 10s and have taken options on 30 more. This deal means that Boeing has now outsold, sorry, has now sold the MAX to all four of the largest US airlines, Delta, American, Southwest and United. Qatar have ordered 25 Boeing 7, uh, 737 MAX 10s and options for 25 more. This follows on from the options that expired in early July on the back of the A320 Neo, uh, sorry, A321 Neo cancellations in January. January. Uh, Miami-based 777 Partners, which is a private equity and aircraft leasing firm, signed up for 66 of the Max 8s um, and uh, as it looks to plan for a new low cost airline. Uh, Aircap and Azerbaijan Airlines both struck deals for 787s and whilst these were the only wide body deals announced during Cargo Cargolux announced that it had selected the 777 8F as its preferred solution to to replace all its fleet of 747 aircraft and Cargo Lux has yet to place firm orders for this. And finally, uh, Japanese uh, carrier ANA has placed an order for 20 737 MAX aircraft and converted two of its previous 777-9 orders into 777-8Fs. It will be the first airline to fly the freighter in Asia. And finally, uh, Embraer, uh, Alaska Air ordered 21 new E-175 aircraft, and Porter, which is a Canadian a regional carrier, have ordered 20 E-195 aircraft. So, how about that? There's some um, business being done at Farmer. Yeah. It's good to see a uh, nice split across uh, all of the manufacturers there. Um, so, uh, yeah.
1: I mean, nothing really that's sort of. You know, they're not what I call like big orders this time around at the moment. Do you think that's perhaps because the market is still a bit cautious?
2: I think they're planning ahead. I think they are starting to look to the future now because we've seen what's happened trying to reopen aviation. It's been a right mess. So they've got to really think ahead and start getting these orders in now. Hmm.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think the other thing is that all, all the, nearly all of the orders that are mentioned there, I mean, there are some sevens as well, but there's a lot of what I would call uh, short and medium haul and slightly longer than medium haul aircraft being announced uh, right. as well. Um, okay. So, um, but uh, yeah, very interesting.
1: It, indeed, indeed. And it's nice that Farnborough is still a sort of place. I must admit, I do miss the... I, I know that apparently there was a public day on the Friday, I think Carlos was saying, Today, yeah. Uh, Oh, it was today, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was sort of saying that there there was a public day. I must admit, um, I think probably the the air show I, I enjoyed the most uh, was the one that they did at the farmer not the last time but the one um was it 2016 2016 think, yes we went for the first time yeah. um and that was a, that was a very memorable experience i remember i think it was the a380 uh had been completely stripped out and that was the a400 and they did like a sort of uh a little dual display with each other which was just yeah. oh just brilliant absolutely brilliant loved it so uh next story is for you uh matt Indeed, yes. Uh, So this one is uh, all about KLM, and uh, did you say it was Thalys, Andy? Thalys. Thalys, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, so Thalys is a train company, basically, and well, I'll, as you say, uh, Andy's already mentioned that we've probably slipped into the world of the, the train talking UK podcast. But uh, KLM and Thalys uh, kick off their transfer service between Amsterdam and Brussels. Uh, now we cover this story, uh, a story in show four oh four, story nine, apparently, uh, about France implementing implementing rail replacements to certain air routes. Now. Uh, KLM have joined forces with Talis with similar goals in mind. This cooperative venture is an important first step in KLM's implementation of the Dutch government's action plan for rail and air services, with KLM removing one flight from its schedule. Initially, KLM and Talis Rail Air will operate between Brussels and Schiphol, with KLM blocking space on several Talis high-speed trains. Uh, Passengers can, for instance, now check in for their full journey via KLM. Their boarding pass is valid for both the rail service and flight. Uh, This trial is set to continue until the 29th of October 2022. Now, part of me absolutely loves this story. And part of me, uh, which you may be surprised to learn, I actually... I don't the thing is is if you wanted to go by train, you would go by train, yes. so you you know you probably want to do that route because you know you want to fly there. it might be a time reason that you want to go from a to b so quickly um I mean you know I don't mean you, you know me my love of aviation or not in this case you know if I can go by train, I'd much rather much rather do it but i i, I don't know I, I it's if if people are willing to buy the tickets to to do that i mean i, I don't think this is story is off the back of the fact that they were having trouble filling the planes
0: no i think that, that what's happened here as well is i've been flying a lot out of Schiphol and out of brussels as well over the last few months and there's been some pretty difficult queuing going on at both airports right um and so if people can switch their flight from brussels to skip or vice versa mm-hmm. and then get the train that's definitely a a, a, a good win i would say okay. uh, yeah because it? it's it's a question really of of just working out the the best of the worst situation Really. right it starts I going see. on
2: you know. is it actually quicker when you take in, getting to the airport going through security waiting for the plane do the shot up to brussels then get the train into town, is it quicker just to do this anyway? I think it probably is. Yeah, right. Yeah. If you so. if
0: you're adding up the the, the real minutes yeah. that it takes to do it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not,
2: the, the distance between the two isn't that great. Well, it doesn't have no. that great from the air, and the trends in Europe are far superior to far our real network. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Jeff, just out of interest, I mean, I,
1: obviously, uh, you know, America is a huge country, and that's I think one of the reasons why it uh, relies so heavily on on the aviation industry to to get from Plan A to back Plan B, because it would. It does take you days, doesn't it, to go from one part you know, to from part to the other? Is there any? Uh, are there any sort of similar schemes um, that are going on in the states, or or have you been a bit shielded from all of this? Um, the, the, well, let's say the troubles that we're having here. Well, in in, in the UK and in Europe as well, where um, you know there's been huge queues at airports, delays, people missing flights, holidays being ruined just because there isn't enough staff at the airport.
5: Well, I don't think we've been experiencing that same level of disruption uh, stateside. I mean, when we first started getting everything going again after the pandemic and airlines started introducing or reintroducing their full schedules uh, probably a little bit sooner than they should have, uh, there there was a little bit of that here and there, especially at the bigger airports. But I think they recovered pretty quickly uh, the staffing levels to uh, keep everything going. One area that they didn't do um, very quickly was all the uh, uh the food services you know inside the airports and that kind of thing right. it was not unusual to see lines that were just you know as long as the concourse yeah uh, people waiting to get something to eat but uh and as far as a uh, a scheme like the uh com- combination of uh airline flying and uh trains the train system here in the states is just <laughs> is nowhere near the uh kind of system that you have in uk and, and europe as far as efficiency and and uh level of service it's just uh really not comparable so
1: i i, um, I part of me finds that quite shocking <laughs> i've got to be yeah. honest it's uh, I mean, it, british real is bad yeah yeah absolutely yeah i know
5: so think yeah take that and multiply it by, <laughs> by five or ten or something yeah. i don't know we have amtrak yeah. and yeah. A, it's just uh, something that's just not – I mean, I've, I've ridden on Amtrak, and it was an experience. Um, okay, good. That, uh, yeah, it was uh, you know, something that I, I, I wanted to check that box, and I, I have. And I probably will never get to have that experience again in my life. <laughs> Um, I was thinking uh, if they could somehow introduce uh, the the, uh, the, con- the two companies that are working together, Talus. Uh, yes. And who and else? KLM.
1: KLM was KLM. there. KLM. Yeah.
5: If they could throw in some kind of uh, like Uber's uh, Lyft association, then you could have planes, trains, and automobiles.
3: Ah, you know, yeah. like a like
5: the movie. I like I'm it. Just just a thought. I, know. I like
1: it. So essentially, what we've learned from that then, Jeff, is essentially you take British Rail, uh, multiply it by Amtrak, and you have the uh you have the American yes. train system. I think that's the equation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the
5: formula required.
1: I mean, uh, this is this is quite a um a sort of like an, an unusual subject for me, but actually, uh um I was I, I was uh, I was looking to try and get to. Um, uh, to, to get to Holland uh, to, to, to meet up you know the Netherlands to meet up with with people and stuff and one thing that surprised me is like with the ferries that's actually not an unusual thing Um, where they're all joined up and I mean one of the tickets that I was looking at with the ferries to go from the hook of uh, so it was basically from Harwich to the hook of, of Holland and it was an all-in-one like it was a train ticket as well so when you got to the other end so you could arrive in Harwich by train and then jump on the um, the, the, like, like an overnight boat basically so you sleep on the boat going over have breakfast and then you get on the train the other side ticket all in to like spend the day um you know going around the netherlands and stuff like that and it really wasn't
2: that expensive and it sounded like a really sort of a appealing thing to do i'm sure never remember the days when the trains used to actually roll onto the ships uh i
0: I can't remember that actually, but wow. um, I um, I know people that did would have
2: remembered that.
3: <laughs> wow! Okay, seriously? I, I do like um, Alan
2: White's comment. Uh, imagine if Nev's seat one ear was switched to carriage one, open seating. Oh, no. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? This is language that I don't even <laughs> want to listen to.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, the blaspheming! It's uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there was oh, me boy. wondering, uh, worrying about Andy. Yeah. Uh, the- <laughs> Wow, well, there we go.
0: So let's let me, move on. Could
1: yeah, you? absolutely. We'll move on, Joe. Yeah, it's a great, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like the idea, as you say, perhaps as a stock gap, uh, Nev, as you sort of hinted there definitely don't try it in the states that's the other thing i've learned yeah. uh um but uh, yeah it's um yeah it's i, I guess it, a, a useful stopgap for the moment perhaps
0: yeah mm. so uh, over to andy for some information about well an aircraft uh, where some paperwork is going to have to be filled out oh, i think oh,
2: yes a considerable amount of paperwork so this is a, a somali plane crash uh, plane flips over at mogadishu airport and this is from the bbc also the avherald.com and uh, reuters as well Uh, A Jubba Airways Fokker 50 Registration 5 Yankee Juliet X-ray November performing a flight from Bedoua to Mogadishu in Somalia with 36 passengers on board flipped over on landing on Mogadishu's runway 05. Firefighters doused the flames and pictures from the scene show thick black smoke rising from the crash site. All 36 people on board actually survived the crash and Jabba Airways say that it will release more information about what happened as it becomes available the cause of the crash is not yet clear but an investigation has been opened and, Gosh, uh, I don't know if uh, Matt showed the pictures then because I was busy reading but it's it's quite an impressive uh, sight and the yeah. video on Av Herald, uh, it looks to be coming in pretty hot with a tailwind as well of around 50 knots and uh, it hits the runway. Oh, there's. Here's the video now. It hits the runway pretty hard, and it looks to me like the uh, the left hand landing gear collapses, and the whole thing just goes over.
3: So just it's a miracle see it, it survived.
2: Coming
1: down now, look, yeah. it's just, and then it's just bang. Mm. Oh my goodness just, me! Oh, look straight at that. over. Yeah. I mean, what would cause something like that? Because I mean, is, uh, is it just something as simple as a really hard landing?
2: Yep, yeah, could be just as simple yeah. as that. I mean, the landing gear is only rated for a certain amount of G. And uh, it's quite an old aircraft as well. You don't know what the maintenance history is on it. Um, there we go. Originally delivered to Lufthansa in 1992, so it's been around a while.
3: Mm. I yeah,
2: I
0: anything. mean the Fokker 50 is uh, is known as a very sort of sturdy aircraft, uh, really. Mm. But um, it, even that has its uh, limits with regard to uh, yeah. oh, the
2: Fokkers just... knew how to build them. I tell you that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
5: Let's watch yeah. Our language. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I I'm I have so something nervous. to say about this, Dude, and yeah, please. I would say that this was a good landing, right? Because everybody walked away from it.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, Not a great landing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a good landing. Yeah, good uh, and, landing. And, that, and that is a very good point, actually. I mean, really, when you look at the carnage, essentially, that's in the two videos here, and I've got a couple more pictures to to share as well. Mm. I mean, really, bearing in mind this thing is upside down. I mean, I suppose um it's a, it'd be an unusual s- situation to to be wearing your seatbelt uh you know because of a bit of turbulence and actually you en- you suddenly you're hanging upside down um i mean it's uh, could that possibly be one of the reasons that you know obviously everybody was wearing their seatbelt at the time of impact that will have probably ha- helped I- I- in some way
2: well i think it's the only thing yeah yeah, yeah. i agree
1: Indeed. It's just a really sort of just, I mean, it's, I don't know, I, I suppose it's, it's such a, I think this is the thing, isn't it? It's such a rare thing that we see something as dramatic as this now, um, which I think is a, you know, a testament to the aviation industry in general, where, you know, I mean, like using Formula One as an example, before they change the rules, if you like, you would see dramatic Events on on a quite regular basis basis. and it wasn't in the earlier days of of formula one it wasn't unusual to lose drivers on a regular basis you know where they'd lose their lives and stuff and it's just I mean you think how many flights are in the air all day every day across the world day in day out Um, you know I suppose these things do are always so shocking because they don't happen very often
0: yeah absolutely and i think as andy said you know um with regard to the um uh, actual accident itself there'll be an investigation about obviously what happened on the day but also the maintenance history as well um to see mm. what uh, what's gone on there but uh, yeah thank goodness everybody got out that's the main thing yeah absolutely yeah. agreed agreed, agreed. Wow. uh now next we've got a, a video from armando is that right uh,
4: uh, oh yes yes right. well done i'm glad somebody reminded me yes, yes. here we go <laughs> Okay, speaking of Supersonic, from Farnborough, some news on the Boom Supersonic. Uh, They have just unveiled a refined configuration of its Mach 1.7 Overture passenger design and at the same time announced a partnership with... Uh, Northrop Grumman to study military versions of the supersonic aircraft. So this significantly revised uh, overture design is tailored to meet BOOM's uh, 4200 nautical mile range high-speed mission requirement with 65 to 80 passengers, while simultaneously meeting stringent international ICAO, uh, chapter 14 and FAA stage 5 takeoff and landing noise limits. By increasing the number of engines, which they did to four, Boom says that the Overture will be capable of a takeoff at D-rated thrust settings, helping reduce that noise. Mounted in individual nacelles, the non-afterburning engines are staggered along the trailing edge of a large delta wing, which replaces that that slender design of the previous kind of Concorde-like iteration that they had already put out. Uh, the new wing is gold in profile and incorporates what appears to be a sharper trailing edge um, and a, sweep, a larger sweep angle inboard with a reduced sweep outboard. Kind of an interesting, almost a fighter jet design. Additionally, the company has announced the start of uh, outfitting an Iron Bird ground test facility in Centennial, Colorado, where the XB 1 subscale flight test vehicle has also been developed. The new 70,000 square foot site will house a full-size Overture testing model, and of course, the flight deck simulators will be in there. The airframe uh, manufacturer also announced a strategic partnership with Northrop Grumman to develop a special mission variant for the U.S. government and its allies. Now, this work follows award earlier in 2022 of a three-year U.S. Air Force contract to expand the studies of the Overture beyond that of an executive transport to include surveillance reconnaissance, special forces deployment, and other military transport roles. Now, this part came from space.com. Northrop Grumman is, of course, a longtime supplier to the U.S. Armed Forces for uh, spacecraft, military aviation systems. So this partnership between the two firms is going to help ensure potential military or government customers, customers can acquire the overture made for their specific needs. According to Tom Jones, the president of Northrop Grumman Aeronautics Systems, he said that the pairing of Northrop Grumman's airborne defense systems integration expertise with BOOM's state-of-the-art overture supersonic aircraft makes perfect sense, and that together they can ensure that military variants of the overture are tailored for missions where advanced systems capabilities and speed are critical. So we hadn't really explored this, I'm sitting here in front of a V-1 bomber. Um, up till now we had really just only spoken about the overture in a passenger configuration almost as a concord replacement this is very interesting that the military is looking to um, use it not for an attack role or a combat role uh, as much as a, a very high speed troop transport so that's that's pretty interesting i can't imagine you know as everybody else is paying uh, seven thousand dollars for a ticket to go from New York to London in just a couple hours these military guys are also gonna get a ride uh, unfortunately the destination is never a, uh, a lovely vacation spot so we'll see what happens with the military ver- version of the overture over the next couple years um, these uh, aircraft are also being um, or parts of it are gonna be manufactured in Greensboro North Carolina so there is a future. Or potential that in the future we could maybe get an interview with them. We'll reach out to them. Keep you guys uh, in the loop
1: honestly jeff taking the mickey out of me because i'm giving them a proper <laughs> countdown in their ears honestly what are you like uh, yes, uh I, I can't remember who, who it was i think it was richard adams said uh, this sounds like yet another type rating that uh, armando needs to add to his arsenal
0: what you uh, want the uh, yes the uh, <laughs> yeah. the boom supersonic yeah uh, yes. yeah it does
1: yeah. yeah it sounds like something that needs needs to be sort of added i mean it, again it's, it's sort of an interesting concept isn't it it's uh you know, interesting that
0: they're talking about possibly turning it into sort of, you know, like a military variant as well. Hmm, yes. I must say, I certainly didn't think I would ever see another supersonic commercial aircraft in no. my lifetime. Um, but uh, no, I think um, obviously there's, there's some military applications here. Definitely, isn't there? Yeah. So, uh, no, good, good to hear about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Um, Next story, Malaysia Airlines uh, reveals new Boeing 737 business class. This is on the uh, executivetraveller.com. And uh, it says that Malaysian Airlines is set to operate the first of its newly refurbished Boeing 737-800s by the end of July. The revamped aircraft offers 12 business class seats and 162 economy seats in a 2, 2 and 3, 3 seat configuration. Uh, Malaysia Airlines iconic blue bat tick motifs are prevalent throughout the cabin. Uh, The largest largest change is that the in-flight entertainment is no longer built in, but instead Malaysia Airlines is offering movies, podcasts, music, books and games wirelessly to passengers' own devices. USB-A and USB-C charging is available for every passenger on board as are personal device holders for tablets and smartphones. Uh, The changes actually trim the weight of the 737-800s by uh, over half a tonne, 679 kilos, saving fuel by some... Ninety-one thousand liters per aircraft per year i've always thought about this you know as we we've moved well into the you know the, the tablet regime um if they weren't if they didn't have in-flight entertainment systems on board but they were reliant on people bringing their own devices the weight saving would be substantial certainly on the on the longer haul sectors i would imagine
1: i mean i guess these screens and everything are all um uh, I suppose because the tablet and stuff will be much, much lighter than if, if you've got like screens uh, built into the headrests and stuff like that. I guess the server, the onboard server equipment will be far lighter because of, um, you know, what's going on there. You haven't got the extra weight of the cables because it's all being done wirelessly and and things like that. So uh, I guess from from their point of view also, like from a maintenance perspective, they haven't got to worry about screens failing. I mean, if the passenger cracks their screen... And Then, you know, that's, down, yes. that's 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 their, their hard cheese, isn't it? I,
0: I wonder how many of the cabin crew have to listen to the same old story on you know long haul flights. Yeah. Oh, my IFE isn't working. You know, yeah, no, that I be bet. a lot of yeah. that, I would
1: imagine. Yeah. You, uh, you're not going to get a lot of sympathy they say my t- my tablet is buffering. No. Uh, <laughs> No, exactly. <laughs> Indeed, which is a, a common problem. Uh, I mean, uh, what do you think on this, Andy? I mean, do, do you feel this is uh, the way forward? Perhaps. I mean, on um, you know, I mean, a lot of airlines, of course, um, Ryanair, for example. I mean, they don't have any IFE at all.
2: Yeah, and uh, most people bring their own with them now, don't they? Their iPad and their iPhone to listen to you know great podcasts um, as they fly around. The other thing I was thinking about as well was um, heat. Reduces heat, so that reduces the pressure on the air conditioning system as well. As another byproduct, true. There's all sorts of savings here overall, maintenance-wise, especially like you say with all that removed and all the wiring, miles and miles mm. of wiring involved in things like that. Indeed, and of course, yeah. it brought a air down a long time ago, didn't it? But they've got a lot better since then. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I suppose it's uh, yeah, and people have got these. You say with the, with the sockets and everything cool there, then you've got the the you can you can sort of top it up and keep it keep it uh charged can't you it's uh, i mean
0: generally... although of course uh, the 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 usual subject of uh lithium-ion battery thermal yes. runaway <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes. becomes a topic again doesn't
1: it i, I Yes, because i guess there's mind you would even if the plane had ife they've probably got their ipad or their their android tablet or whatever you know other tablets are available uh they've probably got those with them anyway Hmm. So, I don't, you know, I mean, you've still got, you've still got the, the risk of it being in their hand luggage and having thermal runaway as opposed to being out. I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a tricky one, isn't it, really?
5: Yeah, I have to say, um, the airplane that I fly is quite tech forward in this respect. Um, it never has had in flight entertainment in the uh, seat backs. <laughs> and so, but hey, it does have, uh, you know, outlets uh, for your electronic devices at, in every row. So, you know, you can plug in your electronic devices. And the cool thing is I've been able to figure out how to send my podcast back to every single (laughs) screen, personal handheld device in the airplane. So it it works out. That's (laughs) cheating.
1: That's cheating. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, I suppose that's, that's, Yeah.
2: (laughs) Ah, oh, that's
1: going kind to of amuse me for that's hours. That's how you
2: get the listener figure, so huh? Yeah, it yeah, is exactly. That's yeah. one of my little little tricks.
0: <laughs> Love it's, it. It's another hundred and fifty uh, listeners on every sector, isn't well, it? Well, quite.
5: Yeah, of course. I lose <laughs> yes. like four times that. You know, after people listen to the show, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so not true okay <laughs> there we go thanks Jeff uh, we'll move on to the next story now um, and we're, we're back to those squirrel things again um, yes. so I'm a, I'm a bit nervous about this I'll be honest with you uh, it's uh, London Air Ambulance we're talking about this time and they've ordered um, some Airbus H135s uh, now uh, last week we talked about the Icaril family of helicopters and this week we learn that London Air Ambulance charity the LAAC has ordered two Two new Airbus a, uh, H135 helicopters at the Farnborough International Air Show. The H135, previously the EC135, is a twin engined helicopter that is extremely popular in the aeromedical industry. In fact, I think I think our Helimed over here is, is, is one of these aircraft as well. The LAAC is replacing a pair of MD 902 Explorers. Since operations began, the helicopter emergency service for the UK's capital has transported more than 43,000 patients, including 1,713 patients in 2021 uh, al- alone. And John has put in brackets, yes, I gave this story to Matt, because if he reads the notes before the show, he'll know he's got to s- say the same squirrely world to present. Thanks for that, John. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so just to clarify that the H-135 is not part of the Icarol family. Uh, it's bigger, more powerful, and about a decade and a half newer the H-135 is uh, FADEC equipped and has IMC capabilities in 2013 about 25 percent of the world's emergency medical helicopters were H-135s and half of the produced H-135 aircraft were emergency medical helicopters now that's really interesting I think isn't it I mean talk about cornering the market uh, on this uh, interestingly also uh, it operates on a budget of 12 million pounds a year Most Mostly from charity donations, lottery, I, uh, and fundraising. I mean, it's bonkers, isn't it? That isn't
0: that ridiculous. I mean, the, these are you know uh, life saving and critical so. um, means of transport, and the fact that it is a charity mm. and survives largely on donations. Uh, yeah, it, it is ridiculous. That I mean, that should be a fully funded. System whereby, if they want to raise extra money themselves, that's fine. But they they must have the bare minimum uh to operate these things because they really are lifesavers you know especially in the ability to get into difficult areas mm. and, and, that, and that kind of thing on on roads highways etc um and in the countryside so yeah. um yeah it's, well and um,
1: especially amazing. especially where i am nev i mean we had the big uh we had a, a quite a serious rtc at the end of my road um and this particular individual uh required uh, an airlift to adambrooks basically which is in mm. cambridge um and of course that was done in a really short period of time i mean it you know it was that you know, he was he was in adinburghs within i think it was i think it was a less than a 30 minute flight yeah you know and you, you think cuz i mean they they travel at sort of, is it like 200 odd miles an hour i think these things can Can travel at
0: yes and of course the other thing is that um you know that they need to be twin engines as well because of the of the safety factors and what what have you um so uh yeah but Mm. um um, now uh andy's just uh popped out uh was he back now he's come back there he is okay you've got yourself a new room uh andy (laughs) (laughs) who knows It's uh, working we, out at the moment. Um,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, as, as I say, I think it's a great thing, isn't it? As I say, I, I find it fascinating that, the, that this particular aircraft is so prevalent, if you like, in the emergency services uh, routes. Um, Jeff, I, I mean, is that something? Uh, I mean, is this quite commonplace in the states, like for sort of medical um, evacuations, well not evacuations, but like medical rescues and stuff in in rural places? I mean, I, I, I can't help but feel perhaps this is something we picked up from you guys.
5: I think that – well, I know they are prevalent in, you know, major metropolitan areas, but um, I – now, Chris lives um, kind of outside of major metropolitan areas, and are they pretty prevalent here, Chris? Yeah.
3: Med- med flights are very, very common here. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. It's okay. I mean, uh, just out of curiosity, I mean, I, I suppose uh, – I mean, our, our medical system is very different to yours, obviously, in the fact that we have, like, what you know, the National Health Service, which is something we pay, we, we pay for. I mean, presumably these are, in your case, presumably it's like insurance-funded, essentially.
5: Yeah, uh, I, I would imagine. I mean, just having a, an, a ride in an ambulance is amazingly expensive um, here. And I, I can't imagine what a, what a helicopter, a life flight. Would cost in, in in our country. Do you do you have any idea?
3: I think it's north of ten grand a flight, depending on how oh. far they're going. A friend of wow. ours had to be uh, had to be airlifted out of the Grand Canyon a few years ago, and wow. um yeah that ride was that ride was a uh, was a ten thousand dollar ride.
5: My Yikes. goodness me! And that did did insurance cover some of that? I no? do not
3: know. Oh. I don't. Wow. No,
1: know. I know. I amazing. mean that that is a really scary. I mean, I mean, I mean, it sounds like a really shocking number, but I suppose you know by the time you you've got some very very highly trained professionals, and that's that's not including the pilots in this particular scenario. I mean that you know they they are um, you know a next level paramedics, aren't they? And they're doctors that are in that are in yeah. these, these aircraft and stuff.
5: I mean, it's well, amazing. You must also. Rem- I'm sorry. Yeah. No, Carol. I was going to say you must also remember that here in the U.S. the average income is over a million dollars, so per year. No, I'm just kidding.
3: (laughs) I was going to say.
2: What's the website for a green card?
5: Yeah, I was say, yeah absolutely. Married. Oh, now he's back. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Did you get
2: a new room, Andy?
5: Yeah,
2: I'm just waiting for them to ring me back. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Is it a bit noisy where you are? Just a little bit. Yes. Oh, is it
5: all
1: oh,
2: cold? Yeah, all oh, blimey. Uh, yes. Uh, did Did you explain to the listeners where where exactly you were? <laughs> Uh, no, yes, I'm in a hotel in Manchester and there is a wedding going on underneath me. Right. <laughs> and Indeed. I feel like I'm in the wedding.
1: <laughs> Lovely. Excellent. Oh, well. C-
2: congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think my wife would be very happy, but <laughs> no, I'll tell be, her that tomorrow. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. She'll be <laughs> blooming fuming. Uh, <laughs>
3: oh,
1: dear. Okay. All right. Well, uh, you know, as I say, an interesting story. And actually, in terms of um, funding, uh, £12 million for a whole year, basically, to pick up anyone, doesn't seem like uh, doesn't seem like a lot of money actually when you take that no. into consideration but it is bonkers here that it is entirely charity charitably you know funded i, I think that's just it's uh, uh, bonkers i mean it make, makes me want to go and do some fundraising for East yeah. Anglia Air Ambulance now if i'm honest with you yeah
2: quite mm.
0: uh, so Andy um can you give us the next story about the uh, Airbus uh, flight testing a, a new uh, CFM
2: uh, yes yeah, certainly so Airbus to flight test CFM Rise open rotor and this is from Aviation Week Com. So CFM International has agreed with Airbus to flight test the open fan propulsion system being developed under the engine makers' revolutionary Innovation for Sustainable Engine, which is RISE, program on the A380. The flight test campaign will be performed from 2026 from the Airbus flight test facility in Toulouse, France. The company added that Sorry, The company adds that ahead of the A380 test flights, CFM will perform engine ground tests along with flight test validation of GE's Boeing 747-400 flying testbed at GE Aviation's Flight Test Operations Center in Victorville, California. Targeting a 20% reduction in fuel consumption and CO2 emissions compared to current engines, RISE is aimed at, at as as a successor to the current Leap 1 turbofan in the 20000 to £35,000 thrust class. Two different uh, A380s that will operate the RISE test campaign will be heavily modified to support different engines and modified to test liquid hydrogen trials. Oh, wow. They look like uh, strange things, don't they? I'll be back in one sec
1: yes indeed absolutely i mean fascinating um yeah it's sort a of fascinating uh, unit really i mean again it's i suppose it's pushing the envelope isn't it trying something different to uh, to sort of get that extra lift out,
0: yeah well yeah. if you look at what's happened in engine technology especially over the last what 10 to 12 years mm. something like that the fuel reduction that's been possible Uh, it's been Mm. absolutely incredible I mean I was reading on somebody's a a pilots blog the other day uh, who operates for uh, Air Canada that he was going to fly uh, 200 people from um, the Netherlands to Toronto uh, with quite high ambient temperatures on the ground in uh, the Netherlands at the time of 30 degrees and he was going to be burning just over 22 tons of fuel I mean that is incredible Um, bearing in mind you know that's you know this is obviously with the, the latest technology engines and mm. what have you but it really is amazing the the leap forward that we've seen if you'll pardon the pun so, with um with how this engine technology has gone
1: so i mean forgive my naivety uh, on on these matters um nev is it uh, you say 22 tons worth of fuel what
0: what, what would that normally be so well you know, what, um, obviously from a at the other extreme, uh, Concord, London to New York, yeah. uh, using afterburners for some of it, was the best part of ninety tons. Oh gosh, of right fuel uh, back in the day, and I, I'm going to pluck a figure out of the eggs, I don't actually know, but I would imagine a, something, you know, a, a slightly older um, 767 or 757, probably in the region of fifty to sixty tons of fuel, maybe depending on what engine was fitted, something like that. So, so there's, there's some huge
2: reductions it is a big As a, as there, a comparison isn't it? for you, Matt, um, I recently was uh, planned on a, a, so a CFM56 engine down to uh, the Canaries, and say that flight was 15,000 kilos of fuel to be loaded. Then they decided to change the aircraft last minute. We got new flight plans onto a Neo aircraft with a LEAP-1A, yeah. And that was only 11,000 kilos. It was 4,000 kilos difference. For the same a, flight. For the same flight.
1: Gosh. And I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you sort of take that in, uh, I mean, i say like to save save money for the passengers, but actually a genuine concern going forward quite soon is going to be the cost of the, of the you know, the kerosene. And what is it kerosene? I think something like that is it, or a aviation fuel that you're putting in the aircraft. Um, I mean, that's going to be going through the roof like everything else, I suppose,
2: at the moment. Well, you've got to think about the environment as well, haven't you? Mm. And sustainability and efficiency and looking after the world. By using less fuel as well, it's costing less money.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, indeed. Keeps the bean counters happy, that's the main thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Indeed. Um, I mean, uh, your thoughts on this, Jeff?
5: Well, I have some. Uh, So back in the, I believe it was the 1980s, the McDonnell Douglas, I think they used an 81, an MD-80, a Mad Dog, as a test bed for open uh, rotor engines. And uh, it, it was not successful. And it, by the way, if you can find any pictures of them, um, you'll see that they look suspiciously similar to the picture that you were showing there of the uh, Airbus A380 open <laughs> rotor design. And so I just quickly looked it up. And they, so somebody was asking the question. There was an article uh, back in 2018 asking if this is something that still, you know, we can do. And uh, they said that the technical challenges that continue – Uh, In their their deployment include noise reduction, so they're very noisy, airframe integration, and protection from propeller and fan blade failure. So, uh, you know, a modern um, high-bypass fan jet engine has the cowling uh, specifically designed or specially designed to contain... You know blade failures, fan blade failures, etc. But they're not always successful. Of course, we know of major aircraft uh, incidents and accidents that mm. um, you know do, did not contain a turbine blade or a compressor fan section blade from exiting the uh, mm. the cowling of the uh, of the engine. But anyway, just uh, I thought it was interesting because when you started reading that article about the A three hundred and eighty test bed and the open rotor design, I'm thinking. That sounds very hmm, familiar. I think I've seen this before. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, Captain Cruz is saying in the chat room here it looks uh, very much like an A400M engine.
0: I don't know if oh, anybody, yeah, anybody agrees does. with that. Yeah, um,
1: yeah I do. Uh, yeah. And it says, uh, yes, uh, Captain Cruz is also saying that was the MD-81 prototype tested in Yuma in Arizona.
5: Yeah, you can just do a search for MD-80 and open rotor Um designs and you'll see a bunch of pictures of it
1: so here's a question from alan actually for, for you guys here he's saying um uh, would it not be a significant would it not be significantly noisier the new high bypass uh, ratio engines do a lot to shroud the noise
5: i agree that was one of the yeah that's one of the hurdles that they're mm-hmm. going to have to work through
1: is to, to make them quieter basically
5: mm-hmm.
1: wow wow
0: i've it's just so thought of cool. another advantage possibly Ooh. Um, you know, we've had stories on both podcasts of uh, some passengers in certain parts of the world that have put coins into the engine oh, yes. for, for good luck. Yes. Um, <laughs> this just solves that problem completely by flicking it um, a- away from the engine,
2: surely. Now no, yeah, I like just the... put it straight in the hot section.
5: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah maybe it's yeah. not a great idea then. It's still not great, yeah. Either way, it's a, either way, it's a, uh, an incident waiting to happen, I suppose. Never mind. Hey. Um,
2: right, chaps. I'm going to disappear for five minutes. I'm going to change room rooms I'm going to come back. Okay.
3: Excellent,
5: lovely. Right. Just five minutes? Just, wow, I'm impressed. That's, that's a I, I, can
2: do, I can do it in five, maybe ten.
5: Lovely, okay, so somebody start I'm the back. clock,
0: quick, here we go. Yeah, I'm, I, I bet he go and, he, he's going to end up
5: joining the wedding, isn't he? And, he is, uh,
0: absolutely, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> going <laughs> to be <laughs> having a drink. <laughs>
5: well, that was the last we've seen. Oh, no, no, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Absolutely, yeah. Dancing with right. the bride. Yes, oh, actually, oh, absolutely, boy. Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. What could indeed. possibly
1: go wrong? Uh, right, challenge Annika, everyone. Right, somebody start the clock, what's the
5: time? Let him know when he let us know when he comes back.
0: Yes, twenty oh nine. nine, lovely.
5: And I'm going to go ahead and change uh, to a different hangar. I'll be uh, splendid. Uh-huh. All right, good. Three line. minutes. Yeah, okay, <laughs> three minutes. Wow. Excellent. No, I'm just kidding. Oh,
1: trying to outdo each other. Honestly, <laughs> go <laughs> Ned, Dig us out of this hole quick. <laughs>
0: well, um, talking of um, you know things that uh, well, f- with with all the you know gloom and doom in some of the areas of aviation, it's, it's nice to see that some some good news is around. And yeah. um, this is to do with the airlines' rating excellence award. Um, These awards honour Best Airlines and they're compiled by global editors with over 100 years of industry experience using an objective value-based methodology. Uh, The the criteria include safety and product ratings, passenger review, fleet age, profitability and environmental commitment. So out of these uh, in the list, Qatar took best business class for its Q suites. Uh, Air New Zealand took best in Pacific, best premium economy and best economy. Singapore Airlines won best first class for its unique suites product and best lounges. Uh, Virgin Australia won best cabin crew. Emirates won best in-flight entertainment. Uh, Etihad won best environmental airline. Korean won best cargo airline. Uh, Vietjet won Best Value Airline and QantasLink won uh, Best Regional Airline. Uh, There was also a further 20 airlines... Um, that AirlinesRating.com rated best in the world. I was looking through to see where where British Airways were going to be. <laughs> um, they're right at the bottom, uh, oh. unfortunately. So in uh, number twenty uh, position is British Airways. Nineteen is Alaska Airlines. Eighteen is Air France slash KLM. Seventeen is Hawaiian. Sixteen is Emirates. 15 is Finnair, 14 JetBlue, 13 Japan Airlines, 12 Virgin Atlantic, 11 Cathay Pacific Airways, 10 All Nippon Airways, 9 Turkish Airlines, 8 Eva Air, 7 Virgin Australia, 6 Qantas, 5 singapore airlines four korean air three etihad airways two air new zealand and in top spot was qatar airways and they took top spot for overall uh, for its innovation product industry leadership and commitment to keeping the world's critical long haul air routes open during covid19 which has uh, resulted in the airline posting a record profit really really Oh, so, that's yeah. interesting. And if you think where Qatar are based as well, they, they are a very sort of key link yeah. between you know Europe and Asia uh, yeah. as well. Um, so, and as as our Etihad and uh, a number of others too. So, um, yeah, yeah, really interesting to uh, uh, to see some interesting so,
1: numbers there. I mean, do, I mean, do we do we agree with that? With that? you know, essentially, we're the top twenty airlines that airline ratings rated the best in the world.
5: No, I think there's a there's a typo. Um, uh, right. Apparently, Acme was supposed to be number one. Was yeah. it
1: right? Okay, yeah. it's an interesting spelling of Acme. Actually, Q A T A are they? I know it is an unusual well, spelling. I'll
5: give them. That. So many people kind of um, get <laughs> those two airlines confused, right? Because okay. they're so similar.
1: <laughs> well, thank goodness you're here to clear it up, Jeff. That's the, yes, I'm, that's I'm glad the thing, i was here. providing a service as always to the wider community. Uh, very good. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay now uh, shall i take uh, yes i story? think yeah. as he's otherwise engaged a little busy yes. um, Tried to get some oh i don't I get don't. to go yeah, well, well i was good ge- yeah. well actually well, well, you could jeff because it's all about the eaa air ventures Restaurants.
1: Oh,
5: hello. You might is get some really? tips. You might get it some is. tips. I don't see it here. Story number nine just says Andy, and that's it. Right.
1: Okay. <laughs> we need to see. Yes. Okay. That's a shame.
5: Never mind. Yeah. So I yeah. guess somebody's going to have to take it. Okay. yeah. I see what you're doing here. Yes. Yeah. I, I see your.
1: Yes. We have, we've had a problem with our notes. So we've scheme. been sent PDF. You've probably been emailed PDF A uh, PDF version uh, in your I email doubt box. It. But okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh, and yes. All right. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll leave you to take it then, please, if you wouldn't mind, Nev. Yes.
0: Well, anyway. So uh, eating at air shows is vitally important, obviously. Uh, But uh, Whitman Regional Airport may become one of the busiest airports of the world for the Experimental Aircraft Association's annual seven-day air venture convention held at the end of July. But it's not the only place that season uptick in visitors uh, these local restaurants often an, an alternative way to view the daily air shows which start at 2 30 p.m on monday uh, through to saturday and 1 p.m on sunday the 31st of july uh, there are also two nightly air shows starting at 8 p.m on on wednesday and saturday awesome. so let's have a look at what's on offer uh the hangar bar and grill there's live music and karaoke on the patio which is a tradition during air venture at the uh, at that restaurant uh FryTucks, uh, which is on uh, south park avenue been given, it's been an uh, EAA staple since its early days in the 1980s. Perhaps unsurprisingly, given its proximity to the hangar bar and grill at the airport, uh, the small patio overlooks the airport grounds, making it popular for the air shows and fireworks. At TJ's Highland Steakhouse, I'm getting hungry already Hello. at this point. Yes. <laughs> um, if you're looking for an upscale, fine dining air show experience, TJ's Highland Steakhouse on Ripple Avenue is the place to go. Clear views and sounds of the air shows Uh, uh, Ardy and Ed's drive in, Uh, they're on uh, Main Street that's the perfect spot to step back in time and watch some classic airplanes fly fly overhead complete with a burger and a root beer float folks uh, post up on the grass and sit on top of their cars to watch uh, Chester V's well if you sit outside uh, uh, either in the front or back at Chester V's on uh, 2505 Oregon Street um, the manager there swears that you can almost reach out and touch the planes uh, landing, landing aircraft from the air shows fly right over the restaurant and finally uh, uh, if, if you can actually touch them from the restaurant that, that, the, yeah,
1: they're a bit low I think That's
0: for, for the millionth time stop exaggerating yes. Right, yeah,
1: absolutely um,
0: one and of, one of finally, Nev's pet peeves. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, finally, pizza at Highway 44. One can also find pizza with a side of planes at Pizza at Highway 44 on 2350 State 44, just off Interstate 41. Uh, restaurant owner Stacia Hoft says that its outdoor seating area definitely has a straight shot view of the air show night wow. show and everything and they're open 24 hours
5: big ass, bs excuse me Wow, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, I had a little cough there. There's um, a complaint, comment coming in. A little BS going on there. Okay, sure.
1: Uh, what with all of it or anything in particular? Uh,
5: well, I mean, uh, Chris and I are kind of w- looking at each other and yeah, we're life. gone. Like never heard of that place. Uh, okay. The first one, Friar Tuck, I have been to, and and several of the people mm. uh, in our um, aviation enthusiast uh, family. Yeah have as well i was there in uh, 2019 where we had dinner um one of the nights i think before the show started um but pizza hut hmm it's up 41 and it's really not close at all to the airport yeah Hmm. so
1: it says pizza at the pizza at hwy 44
5: at highway 44 at highway 44 oh i see right
1: oh i'm with you right okay
5: yeah sorry (laughs) i think they're talking about the pizza hut aren't they I Perhaps don't know. They maybe are. not. Perhaps they maybe are. there's a different place. Okay. Who knows? Never mind.
1: It's open 24 hours. Is it open 24 hours?
5: <laughs> oh, uh, probably yeah. not. No, maybe, okay. maybe I'm in error. Maybe there is a pizza place. That's just
1: somehow I doubt that. Uh, but well, so anyway, maybe
0: we- uh, you can get some of your team to go out and do a recce of all, all the restaurants and um, yeah. report back like, on next week's show mm. for us. You know what?
5: Yeah. Uh, you'll have to send me a link to that article yep. and then we'll, uh, we'll get that thing printed out and then we'll assign, uh, various folks, uh, various uh, their, their assignments, to, yeah, and, and then we'll get back with you It'll be a special uh, segment on your next show.
1: Lovely, excellent, lovely. Uh, leave. Uh, you, you're lucky that uh, that John isn't listening; otherwise,
5: those details would already be on their way to you. To be fair, but ah. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, you know I, what? Uh, that's interesting. I, I, I just realized now that I haven't heard that person's voice.
1: No, indeed, no. They're they they um yes, they're not here today. Uh, just, ah, okay. Indeed, uh, we're, and we're doing very well without him currently, which is amazing, frankly. Well, that's uh, our opinion. Isn't that's it? our opinion, absolutely, and that's yeah.
5: the only thing that counts.
1: Well, right now, <clears throat> yeah. absolutely, yes. I okay. had yes. We're in debrief probably during the week when all the uh, text messages come in. Then I'll get to find out. <laughs> otherwise, I'm sure. But yeah, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that pretty much wraps things up for our uh, commercial.
0: It does, yes. Mm. And uh, next up on the show, uh, we're going to be playing a second video. That we shot at the Seething fly-in which was on the 3rd of July. Mm. Really great weather there and the airfield and the folks there are so friendly and the nice thing about general aviation, uh, I mean I would say in general terms, is that there's always some great stories around and this next clip is a great example of that so let's go over to Carlos at Seething.
6: And we are back at the Seething Flying where the weather is still great, fantastic here. And I'm here with Mike. And uh, Mike, you've just literally just flown in in this uh, in this this what Cessna 150? This is Cessna 150 aerobat. yep. And uh, Mike, you've, uh, you've got a story to tell us, haven't you, about, uh, well, partly about what, what the cargo is on board this aircraft, but also <laughs> something you've, you've been up to well, uh, the, across Europe.
7: Yeah, the cargo today is um, four chickens. Um, I wanted to go somewhere. I'd like to fly and land away, and part of that journey was to go and pick up some chickens, so that's what I duly did, and I picked up two Norfolk Greys and two Black Copper Morans. So they go home and go in the chicken coop. etc. etc. Oh, That's
6: the and the aircrafts rolling back. Rolling back. It's there. Back. That's the wind. That's for the you. wind.
7: So that was that. Um, yeah, two weeks ago, I returned from a little jolly out to. Um, well, we went to Montenegro, um, as you do, and it's about fifteen hundred miles each way, and um, so down through France, um, out across Italy. I went and saw a friend or a manager of mine in uh, near Pisa. Um, from there, we then flew to. Um, Pula in Croatia down the Adriatic coast Um, we were going to go to um, to Tivat in, I think it was Montenegro but we didn't quite get that far because there was um, a seaplane convention so we had to um, park at Dubrovnik and we just got a taxi the rest way. but it it was a good trip and then we came back up the Adriatic coast out through Pula into Italy again, then we went to Elba to see where Napoleon was put and um, then we uh, traveled up through france and we got sort of stuck in bad weather for a couple of days at near grenoble and then we did the last um i think it was 500 or so miles in a day back home and that's it and she didn't miss a beat what what kind of technical challenges are, are
6: involved in not just flying the aircraft but also landing in multiple different
7: uh, countries or you know um, airports Well, really, I was flying the aircraft and my colleague Ivan, he was um, doing the navigator and the radio work, and that's how we worked it. And that's the only way you could do it, really, because you had to sometimes change course uh, because you weren't allowed to land somewhere, or there were problems because the French don't uh, speak English, and as soon as you speak uh, English, they they go quiet. So you have to do these sorts of things, but generally it was was pretty good. But um, I think you also got to be slightly mad to do it, but it's good fun. And uh, fuel-wise, I mean, obviously we all know that th- th- yeah. the fuel is not the
6: cheapest thing right now, even for, for nope. light aircraft like this. How di- how different is it
7: across from the UK right through to uh, Europe? Um, I think the lowest we paid in in France was about 2.46, and then we paid about the euros a litre, and um, we paid about 3.49 was the most. But then you get landing fees and handling. I mean, we got really... Virtually raped in uh, Pisa when we had to leave Italy because you go from Schengen to non-Schengen. There for landing um, just seeing stamping of passports and leaving. That was 175 quid. Ow, <coughs> and that hurts. Oh. Oh, okay. um, and um, Dubrovnik for five days, parking and uh, handling. That was 188 quid. But you know, you only really got to do this once every now and again. And, that's what it's all about I don't want to be in my old age thinking I wish I would have done this and I haven't done it I do think I've done that been there and got the badge for it and that's that's where I'm at it's a bit of your background at all. So where, where did things start with you flying? um well actually uh, a mutual friend of ours Stuart O'Neill said to me why don't you come along to Seething, have a sort of look and see what you think and maybe you might like to think about sort of taking up um, flight training which I did got me license a few years ago and I haven't really looked back (laughs) (laughs) so it's all his fault (laughs) I enjoy it it's it's, um, when you're up in the sky you only really think about flying you 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 forget all the troubles you've got on the ground or whatever and um, you go flying and that's what you do and that's all you think about it that's almost like a mental reset button when you're up there and that's what I enjoy about it and also for me I enjoy the planning and I enjoy seeing the topography so you're flying over old, disused railway lines, rivers, people's houses, Sandringham. You see the Queen the swimming pool, but you don't go. <laughs> Things like that. So that's what I enjoy. And that's, that's what it's all about. And for me, I like to fly different places. So I don't tend to go around here very much. I, I want to go somewhere. And that's me. You
6: said we were talking earlier, we're lucky in this area that we've got so many good GA airfields around the area, such as Beckles, and we've got, obviously, Seething yep. here, Old Buckingham, all these different airfields around yep. here. I mean, obviously, you've seen lots of these airfields. How how different are the airfields, say, in France and Italy
7: and that compared yeah, yeah, yeah. to the GA airfields here in the UK? France is, I would say, GA-friendly. They're very friendly on the ground. OK, they don't all speak English, which I suppose through their traffic control, but they're, they're a pretty good lot. Italy... Um, the airfields themselves are quite good but there seems to be a lot of bureaucracy and like I said if you want to leave Italy and um, to go to a non Schengen or enter Italy via a Schengen airport there are only about 12 that you can use and they know how to charge you and they certainly do but apart from that Italy is fine um, they all speak very good English as, as good as we speak English so <laughs> you know you can't mock it. Um, Croatia the same all very good um, great great people and I think the the sort of flying community they tend to try and help one another that's what it's all about and yeah enjoyable so flight planning
6: wise obviously when I was learning it was maps and the whiz wheel yeah. and all that kind of stuff obviously things like four flight and sky demon all all the big ones now mm. do you have do
7: you use a sky or any sort of flight well, program i personally use sky demon, but for for certainly uk flights i always go back to the whizzy wheel and just check that i know how to use it <laughs> and make sure that everything looks as it should be and it, it's a bit of a sort of an error check you know is does it does look right do you know how to use these things because electronics can go wrong and you might have to go back to the chart so i actually plot it out manually on a chart as well <laughs> So, a bit about the aircraft. Then we're standing
6: next to you here, the one you've just flown in. On and...
7: um, yeah, that's uh, um, a Cessna 150 aircraft. So that's got, um, uh, for the technical people, it's got an O240. Um, I think it's a Continental engine in it, and it uh, is 130 brake horsepower. Whereas most Cessnas are 100 brake horsepower, so it goes a bit faster. Um, and it's a bit more robust, and you can do aerobatics in it, but I'm not rated to do so. so. (laughs) Not yet. No, no, not yet at all, but uh, that's to come, maybe.
6: Have you had a chance to, I know Dan is just over there, have you had a chance to fly in the uh, EZ with Dan?
7: Yes, yes, that was very enjoyable, and he pulled a few stunts, that made me sort of think, ooh, this is a bit sort of... <laughs> but no, it's, it's great flying, and, and I think the thing about flying is that people try to help one another, it's all about, you know, trying to, you know, students who are coming along, um, you try and help them, you try and give them the confidence so that they w- want to go places, and, and that that's what I find quite quite good about it you, you know it doesn't matter what your background is people will try and help you and they'll give you advice and they'll take you flying and you'll pick up things and they'll give you tips and it's a very friendly and there's quite a lot of camaraderie with people it's, it's not a competitive thing to do it's friendly and it's all to encourage people to um, get up in the air and fly safely and and uh, you know enjoy yourself at the same time. your advice, Mike,
6: to anyone who's watching who might think about wanting to learn to fly, what would you say? I mean, young or old, because um, you can um, do it anyway.
7: I would say go for it. You have to remember that it's not going to be a cheap experience learning to fly, it will cost you a few thousand quid, but you know, you can waste that down the puppet, you know. So, go for it. It's far better to try, succeed, or maybe not succeed, but you'll still have the experience of flying and enjoy yourself and then you can say I've done that and I'm enjoying myself and I've got a new group of friends and, uh, all over the world, all over Europe and you can go to Asia and, and hire, hire an aircraft and fly there, take your book take your, your licence with you you can pick up a, an aircraft from Thailand and fly one And how important do you think clubs like Seething are to the area? Seething is, um, is a unique club um, there's, a, there's a very strong sort of uh, uh, camaraderie here um, we all muck in and we all do jobs on the airfield and we all sort of know each other quite well and I think it's a great place and you get a lot of friends here and that's it's a super place to come to everybody's really friendly I think so, plans
6: for the future. Have you got anything uh, um, that you're kind of looking forward to doing in the future? I mean, you've just obviously come back
7: from Croatia and that. is there anywhere else you'd like to, uh, well, to go and fly? yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about Poland. I'm also thinking about obviously going for Ireland because I'm not very far. But Poland would be quite a good trip. The issue is that I think as you go east, you have certainly at this latitude, you have issues with um, the weather. Um, whereas when you went south and through France... It's just very hot, but then we did also have issues with poor weather. So, yeah, I, I think Poland will be a, one on the list. Not this year. Not this year. Yeah, it'll <laughs> <laughs> be halfway through
6: the year now already. aren't Maybe next
7: year or year after. I'll see. But I'll probably go to Ireland. I'll, I'll go to. I want to go to Holland to um, Texel, um, which is just due east of here. Um, that's a day trip. So probably the two care a couple of times. What was the most challenging airport you landed in over in Europe? Brack. Without a shadow of a doubt. So Brac is a runway sitting on top of a mountain at about 2,000 feet. The approach is a vertical sheer face of rock, so if you land short, you go straight into it. Um, there was a, cross, a good crosswind and turbulence, so if you got it wrong, you, you need to land long, but if you got it too long, you go off the other end and down the other side. So that was, that was pretty challenging, actually. But we got it down, and it's all in one piece, and I'm alive to tell the tale. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the best, the most easiest approach probably actually Dubrovnik because I think it was about two and a half kilometers long and slightly rewarding thing actually was that we came in in a little Cessna 150 and there was EasyJet and Ryanair having to wait for us (laughs) 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 so that was that was highly amusing really but obviously we paid for it but it was great you know it's good excellent well Mike last one last question before we finish
6: uh, one we ask all our people we talk to on the show in an interview, and it's that uh, million-dollar question: put you on the spot. Given the chance to get in, jump in any aircraft you want now and to fly, re- commercial, GA, military, retired, still flying. It's here now it's Seething. You can go and jump in now and take out for a spin. What's it going to be? It'd be a radial, something like a yak. A yak.
7: Another one we haven't had before on the show. <laughs> Yeah. Good choice, Mike. Yeah. yeah, I'll go for a yak. Go for a yak, <laughs> but I can't afford it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to afford the oil. It burns as much oil as it does have gas, just about. So.
6: Well, Mike, it's been lovely to talk to you yeah, this afternoon. Pleasure, uh, thanks for taking yeah. time out of your afternoons. I know you literally just landed as we come over, so you probably want to
7: go and enjoy some food because there's some great food here and yeah, drink. I've got to fool the aircraft and uh, put my little chickens away and things like that, and then I'll, I'll go and have a wander around and do things. <laughs>
6: well, Mike, have a great uh, rest of the day anyway at Seeding, yeah. and, and then thanks for.
7: You're thanks for talking to us as well. thank you yep. cheers then
0: oh you had such a good day didn't you oh isn't that marvelous yeah really enjoyed that really enjoyed uh chatting with mike Fascinating character, and uh, you know, he as he says, he always wants to fly somewhere, he just doesn't want to, yeah. you know, fly around in circles and then come back to his home airfield. But yeah, uh, yeah there's some quite long distances involved with some of the stuff he's doing as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, um, really, really nice. As I said at the start, the nice thing about GA is that there's always some stories, especially people that go on adventures like that, and places and having to deal with, I suppose, that's the difference between flying in the us and flying in europe where you know everything's different in europe and every country is different whereas you know flying in the us it's kind of more or less the same mm. in terms of yeah. rules and regulations i would imagine so uh, Dirk, yes.
1: uh, Dirk yeah. saying nice interview thanks for that motivates me to start flying there you go uh jenny in rome is saying that was a great interview uh captain cruz stomach always first prevalent grilled chicken dinner for mike uh (laughs) there we go but uh yeah
5: absolutely
1: Uh, jeff do you do any ga flying
5: uh the only time i do ga flying uh, nowadays is uh when one of the listeners has um an airplane and they offer to, uh, fly me in it. Like okay. this airplane that's behind me here, Chris owns this, um, musket musketeer. It's
3: a sundowner, same
5: oh, a sundowner, uh, it's a beach a sundowner. I think it's very, it's the same airplane you said.
3: It's the same family. Yeah. Same family. Okay. This
5: has 180 horsepower. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't flown GA for, uh, a very, very long time. Um, you know basically, as soon as I started uh, my Air Force time and got trained in the military, uh, I haven't really oh I don't know Cessna 150 152 so I could take my mom and dad up individually uh, to uh, kind of show them the, the product of their of their union and and the wonderful things he does flying airplanes
1: <laughs> is, is, many is many, that, many years ago is that like a conscious decision though I mean, was it because you because obviously you're flying for a living so perhaps it is that is, is that the reason why or is it just because it's an expensive hobby <laughs> so,
5: so i well it is an expensive hobby um but it it, it can be you know it there's a whole spectrum uh, you can you can get away with not spending a heck of a lot of money on ga and then you can spend you know just heaps and heaps of money on it um for me i I envisioned that I was going to be an airline pilot, and then on, you know, in between trips, I was going to be, you know, have my own airplane and be flying general aviation. And then, of course, the reality of it is that I had uh, a family and young children, and I, you know, I, I've been gone for three or four days at a time, and now it's time for me to come and, yeah. you know, help with some of the heavy lifting and the transportation and all the things that go along with. You know, family life, and then before I knew it, it was time for me to go out the door again and fly another trip. So, oh. honestly, I just didn't have time. To, there was yeah. time was the major thing.
1: Maybe uh, when you retire, then.
5: <laughs> What's that?
1: Never mind. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I said a very rude word. Sorry. The word, re- oh, did you re- okay. re-
5: retire? Sorry. Oh, <laughs> retire. Yeah. Well, um, I'm go- I'm going to retire uh, in about a year and a half. Are you? Goodness, heck.
1: yeah! <laughs> I'm glad I was sat down for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, do you, I mean, do, might you be tempted then with with a bit a bit of spare time and? Uh,
5: I I might be tempted. However, um, as many people know, uh, I have a, um, a a small RV on order, and I oh. plan on uh, <gasps> making that my full time life and oh, wow. uh, just kind of exploring. Uh, There's so many just amazing national parks, state parks, and all kinds of things to see here in the U- U.S. And uh, a lot of stuff that I've been looking at, you know, from 30,000 feet, and I want to go down and ground level and actually experience it myself. And then I'll be mooch-docking. I don't know if you know the term. Like boondocking is when you are uh, in a caravan or a RV. They call them caravans over there. Um, And, uh, you know, you kind of live off the grid and that kind of thing. Mooch-docking is very similar, except that it's mooching off – uh, somebody like Chris Ott's um, <laughs> home and uh, in his driveway or right. in front of his house, yeah. having him run out the garden hose so I can connect that to my water system and yeah. then maybe run an uh, a electrical power line to his house and, you know, use his electricity and just kind of live there until they basically call the police and, and make me leave. So that's my plan.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Richard Adams yeah. is saying plenty of room for a paramotor in the back of the RV. So. <laughs>
5: uh oh well yeah that's true uh, there's a one that's really kind of interesting is the um i uh i yeah the icon a5 it's a amphibious uh, aircraft that has wings that kind of fold backwards and you it has a very low profile as far as the width of the thing I, i'm i'm not sure how exactly how long it is but you can buy a trailer To to trailer this thing around, and so I could hitch that to the back of my RV, and then I'd have the best of both worlds. But I don't know; they're not cheap. I think. Oh, oh, kit fox wings will fold as well. Okay, Uh, well, and that's a lot cheaper. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I'll have to stay tuned. Find out what happens if I live that long. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> Excellent. Mm. That, I'm drinking, <laughs> yes. drinking these uh, <laughs> these sugar filled drinks that I'm drinking. I don't know. I may not make it.
1: No, no, they they they, they don't have any calories in. Jeff, you'll be fine.
5: Well, and I did notice uh, the other day that I have a spot on my arm that I think is uh, skin cancer. So I may I may oh, not be around uh, <laughs> for a long time. You know, wow, who knows?
1: Okay. Uh, go and get yeah. that checked out.
5: That's. that's I'm going the- to as soon as I uh, am, am finished with this uh, this road trip. Oh, crap. Always wear sunscreen. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, that's that's good advice. Yeah. Nev uh,
0: yes. So um I almost forgot my word. Um, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> wake up. Next up it is the military segment. So let's go.
3: Buggies one, three, five, fifty, angel E340. Okay.
4: Everybody welcome to the military portion, the best part of the show. Uh, here to give you a little bit of an air show update. First of all, I can't wait to see the pictures from Jonathan Warner and all of our the rest of our fans that are down there. There are some amazing airplanes that went out there. And I remember that was for me going out to Riyadh with the Osprey was one of the highlights of my uh, flying career and uh, I've got a friend that works for Four Flight right now. He's sending some pictures. It's just amazing what an amazing camaraderie between all those countries. And uh, truly, truly, as soon as the uh, the gates close and the public leaves, it is just a great opportunity for all the air forces to get together and, and really just kind of throw back some beers and uh, and get to know each other. One of the highlights from Riyadh this year. Uh, the really kind of took center stage was the UK's efforts with the FCAS, the next generation fighter, uh, sixth generation. Uh, the governments of Sweden, Italy, and the UK are really solidifying their partnership. Um, this made some news. Uh, we talked a little bit about last week, but now they're talking about having their first flight in just the next couple years, um, which is an amazing feat considering the airplane was just on the drawing board not too long ago. Um, of course, the These three governments are placing some significant emphasis on this effort, especially with the current situation uh, over there, the security situation in Europe. I think that's driven a little bit of a a fire underneath there, you know, the acquisitions process. Um, But, of course, the the FCAS is not just the the Tempest and the future uh, next generation fighter. It also includes, you know, a series of... uh, of of, uh, unmanned aircraft and some cyber capabilities some networking capabilities along with those aircraft but pretty cool that they're making that a priority now also i can't wait to see jw's pictures on this one but the e4 doomsday plane made an appearance there it's the first time that it's ever done an air show outside the u.s um of course this is a modified uh, boeing 747-200 the emergency the national emergency Operations center or the national airborne operations center this airplane is an amazing airplane, I've never gotten to, be, to go inside of it, but I have some friends that have worked on it and it's essentially, you know, 1960s concept with modern technology that has the ability to run the entire government from the air. Uh, it's been used a couple times in recent history, uh, recent in the last, you know, two decades or so. But there is um, the complete capability for the continuity of government aboard this aircraft. There's usually one flying uh, 24-7. Um, there's always a backup somewhere. They're usually nearby Air Force One, wherever they may be. But this was uh, pretty significant that they went out to Riyadh this year. And I believe they, they went out, um, did a flyby, and then landed. Um, they were going by the call sign uh, Gordo 01. Um, th- this airplane holds up to 112 people inside and has all the communications gear that you would imagine seeing on, on any of the movies. Also, a uh, little bit from Farnborough, the uh, 737 military variants continue to be very popular. Boeing announced that uh, the its P-8 Poseidon and E-7 Wedgetails, both braced on the 737 platform, um, are are both kind of gaining traction with uh, additional governments. Um, I'll read some quotes here. Tim Flood, Boeing's regional seat, uh, regional director of international business development, uh, said that there is significant interest in the P-8 in the Asia-Pacific, Europe, and Middle East regions. Um, the maritime anti-submarine and surveillance capabilities of the P-8 are especially uh, interesting for some of these nations out in the, uh, in the Pacific Uh, and they're in a good spot for production considering that the u.s navy's run of these airplanes is actually coming to the end they are you know the the number that they uh ordered is is has already been delivered um but the air force has now just ordered more e7 uh wedge tails to replace the AWACS fleet that is aging so it looks like they're going to continue on making this airplane and if they get some orders from some of the other countries then um Uh, There's a long future for it, and I think Boeing is is poised to do that. It looks like uh, five nations currently operating the P-8, which is Australia, India, Norway, UK, USA. In addition, uh, Germany, South Korea, New Zealand have also placed some orders. And then the E-7 is operated by Australia, Turkey, uh, and South Korea, uh, with the UK also having ordered a few examples. So, uh, yeah, good news for Boeing. Uh, and all around, uh, just some snippets from the air show world in the last
1: couple of weeks. So, I mean, I, it's, you know, farmer obviously commercial bits and pieces, but all, all obviously, um, you know, military as well. Announcements are being made. That, there. That's
0: going to please Jonathan Warner, no
1: end. Oh, isn't absolutely! I, I dare say he's a. I think I think he sent me a, a screenshot of the um, like how many photos that he's got. I'll just try and see because he took he took a terrifying, and I mean terrifying mm. amount of photos while he was there what was it it was 51.2 gigs worth of photos 14,026 files oh boy wow that's a lot of photos to see.
0: Imagine through. if you were
5: still using a 35mm... <laughs> um, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> with a motor drive. Yeah, that would Can be an imagine? expensive uh, thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Also, In, that or your house. Uh, yeah, well, you yeah, I was going to
1: say, yeah. Like, yeah, true print, that's going to be an expensive trip, isn't it? That's the one, yeah. Wow. Or snappy oh, snap or whatever it was yeah, called. Yeah, popping down it?
2: the boots with that many films.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine? How many film? Oh, somebody go away and do the maths. How many films... What was it? I think was they Were they 36? 36, think, usually. 36. Yeah. Twenty-four
5: or thirty-six,
1: I think, the standard. Yeah, Yeah. so you know, if it was fourteen thousand and twenty-six pictures, somebody go away and work out how many. Somebody go and divide that by (laughs) thirty-six.
2: I can give you an answer it's a lot
1: is it right okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then tell me how much it would cost to develop all of those oh, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: anyway that'll be somebody's homework I dare say when John he- hears this back he'll work it all out and we'll have it in next week so that story. We'll, have a, we'll have all the answers uh, He's a anyway chap. <laughs> he, he is Yeah, yeah. the worst thing is he can do it in his head that's the depressing mm. part anyway <laughs> so uh, we have another story from Armando and this time uh, we're talking uh about uh, a Ukra- ukrainian pilot he says there we go
4: this next military story uh ukrainian pilot training has passed the house legislation in the national defense authorization act now legislators are kind of working to overcome some of the roadblocks but members of congress took some big steps uh this week in granting the ukraine's wish to you know continue defending itself from russian uh, aggression with american f-16s when the House passed an amendment to train Ukrainian pilots, Um, but there are still some hurdles uh, to overcome with the fears that this kind of action may escalate the conflict between the uh, West and Russia. Um, Now, Representative Adam Kinzinger, who is himself an Illinois Air National Guard pilot, offered the amendment to the House version of the NDAA, uh, and that was passed on July 14th. This would actually authorize $100 million to train Ukrainian pilots and maintainers on American fixed-wing aircraft for air-to-air and air-to-ground combat missions. The amendment was followed in, uh, a, or the amendment followed a bill in June by um, Representatives Kinzinger and Houlihan that uh, more narrowly called for the same amount of funds to train Ukrainian pilots on such platforms as the F-15 and the F-16 uh, and Sidewinder missiles. A Ukraine and kind of response to this has said that it has more than 30 pilots with the english language skills that are ready to begin training without impacting its current operations there in ukraine um, the that same spokesperson said that these pilots would be able to fly the f-16 within just six months um obviously they're going to be you know previously qualified military pilots coming from different platforms but this is a pretty big step and I think the the White House is a little bit tepid on this one to make sure that nothing is, um, you know, potentially escalating the the West's involvement and, and, and risking some other things. But uh, you know, anything we can do to help the, the people of Ukraine, and especially if they're ready to to come over to the U.S. and train, then you know, gotta get through those legal hurdles. I know for us sitting on the ground, you know. On the ground floor as laymen we can say it's uh you know why, why are we waiting why can't it be done right now but certainly there are um, international treaties there are international considerations second and third order effects that anybody in government has to take into account before we just sign something like this um now in the meantime obviously there the mass influx of weapons and and, and training continues to flow into ukraine so it's not like they're um, standing um, still without being able to defend themselves but this would be a huge step to be able to fight a fight like the one behind me, uh, an F-16 uh, against uh, Russian fighters Yeah, it's
1: um great story by uh, Armando there, it's um, yeah, I, I don't know I, it's, um, I, I guess I, I was kind of hoping this was all over by now I, I guess that isn't going to be the case, is it? <laughs>
0: we've got uh, (laughs) many many more months and possibly Mm. longer than that Um, yeah
3: yeah Yeah. Yeah.
1: i think i think you're probably right unfortunately uh, but there we go. Uh, so just talk amongst yourselves for a moment. I've got a slight technical glitch in the studio yes. here. Uh well, but, you <laughs> yes, do you want it, yes, we to the glitch? Yes, I do, uh, do love. Shall it? I
0: carry on with the next story. Then? Yes, I should. Yes, please do. <laughs> <clears throat> this is a, a interesting story, which is slightly concerning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it's on the, the drive.com. dot com. It says single pilot KC forty six tanker operations, eyed by Air Force for major conflicts. Uh, the US Air Force is exploring the possibility of allowing KC-46A Pegasus aerial refuelling tankers to fly with just two individuals on board, a pilot and a boom operator, in certain high-end wartime scenarios, such as a future conflict against China. These tankers are currently not available to support combat operations of any kind, except in emergency circumstances. Uh, news of the plan has already prompted intense discussion as well as criticism on the line about potential safety concerns and a product of the increased workload on such a Skeleton crew. Uh, a spokesperson for the Air Mobility Command, which oversees the bulk of the services aerial refueling tanker fleets, has confirmed to the War Zone that officials at McConnell Air Force Base in Kansas have submitted a request for a waiver to allow two crew KC-46A operations. Typically, tankers will fly with a minimum of a pilot, co-pilot, and boom operator. But as of May, the Air Force had received 59 as tankers with more than 20 of those having gone to units at mcconnell the air force overall is experiencing a pilot shortage at present something that has been an issue in the past and that the service has been making some minor progress in recent years to reverse the post-pandemic boom in air travel and hiring by the airlines could see the situation worsen once again in future i can't believe what i'm reading jeff Um, they want to take
5: the co-pilot out of a KC-46 and reduce it to two crew? Well, you know, honestly, co-pilots are pretty worthless, so I I agree wholeheartedly (laughs) with this idea. (laughs) 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 Just kidding, of course. Uh, I think it's a horrible idea. But, you know, if it's one of those situations where, you know, the end of the world is coming soon and, uh, we you know, our staffing just will not support... You know two crew members in the cockpit and uh well i guess i don't know where there's a boom operator in that darn thing i know it's they're not in the back of the airplane anymore maybe they're in the cockpit as well anyway you get my drift um i i can see a situation where this is just the way we're going to have to operate these things but to plan for it ahead of time like this and train for it that way i don't know i don't think it's a good idea yeah and there was
0: much discussion back in the day, of course, in, in commercial aviation, with the seven two seven, of course, which you flew, uh, flew mm-hmm. and the TriStar, with getting rid of the flight engineer as well, mm-hmm. and making aircraft two crew, which is where seven five seven and seven six seven operation came in. Can you remember back to those times and how much resistance there was about removing the flight engineer from the cockpit?
5: Well, I can barely remember what I had for breakfast this morning, Nev. Um, but yes, I do recall the uh, those days back in the. You know, I, I joined the uh, airline world in the late '80s, and I flew. I got the privilege of flying two airplanes that had three. Uh, essentially three pilot crew members, uh, the way we operated them at ACME. Um, uh, the Well, I take that back. There were times when uh, sometimes a, a flight engineer position was um, done by, the, uh, by a full-time uh, career um, flight engineer. But most of the time it was another pilot, just kind of another position that you would kind of start off with. But, uh, yeah, I do remember the opposition uh, by the pilot groups. Um, But, you know, in that case, technology really went a long way to uh, automate systems that, uh, you know, required the attention of a human. And uh, it got to the point where, you know, in today's world of uh, two pilot uh, crews that um, a lot of the things that a flight engineer used to do is uh, taken care of, you know, with automation. Uh, The problem that I see now, though, is that... And I, I don't know if the military looks at it as a, 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 an allowable or tolerable risk, but um, not in the airline world where you, you only have one pilot and that pilot has some kind of a physiological uh, incident, uh, regardless of how old they are. Because we all know and heard stories of people that are, you know, in their 20s or 30s that um, – are incapacitated, um, and you're carrying a bunch of people in the back. That's, that's no good. That's a bad, uh, that's a bad situation. Um, now this, you know, in the military world, things are a little bit different as far as, you know, what, what is considered allowable risk. So, um, so that's the difference I think between going from three to two and then going from two to one.
2: How about the boom operator is actually a co-pilot who has been trained as a boom operator. So if anything did happen, then oh. he could just ditch the boom and go fly it. So promote I, that guy right there.
1: Like I say, you—you you, what a great
5: idea!
2: Yeah, <laughs> I should be in management.
5: You should be. In, wait, I think you are, aren't you? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> yeah. um, that—that's a great idea. I wonder. I hope, I'm hoping that uh, they're watching uh, your show so that they'll 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 get the idea. That's I mean, a that's that a great like, idea.
1: That seems like a really obvious answer, doesn't it? To the to the issue, if they wanted to save money. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I appreciate you know both both tasks are very very specialist, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past past either of them to be capable of doing
5: it. If you see what I mean. So, well, the boom operators' union, though, that's going to be the problem, ah, I see,
1: mm. right? Yes, of <laughs> yeah. Ah, the union. There we go.
5: <laughs> Always the union.
1: <laughs> Always the union. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, there uh-huh. we go. That that is our military. Then Nev. I think, yes. Yeah,
0: now, up. how are we doing with the caption competition, Matt? Yeah, we got all set.
1: Yeah, yeah, we need to rattle old. through it. But, uh, yes, yeah, we indeed. are
0: there. So, uh, We've had a lot of entries this we week. Um, sp- uh, only, well, not all of them we, we can read out, unfortunately, yes, uh, for be, uh, reasons of, of taste and decency. Indeed. But uh, Inappropriate. the comedy level was certainly very high this week. Indeed, uh, absolutely. So, so uh, I'm going to pop
1: the picture up. Um, uh, let, let's one of our, uh, Jeff, see if you could sort of try and describe the picture for those listening to the audio version of the, of the show.
5: All right. Okay. We have a uh, tail-mounted engine jetliner, very much like the uh, jetliner that I fly currently, or I guess I used to fly. That's an older one there, uh, so, uh, lower bypass um, engine mounted on the right side or the uh, or starboard side oh. of the uh, aircraft uh did i get that right and uh there is uh, appears to be a an engineer uh, as you would say or w- we would say a mechanic a maintainer back there in the inlet of said uh looks like a pratt and whitney um what is that a um I've already forgotten the uh, designation uh, JTAD yeah yeah jTA wow. uh, engine and uh, in front of the uh, the first stage uh, fan section bullet nose and uh, just kind of curled up there it looks like he's just chilling and uh, uh, maybe thinking about maybe daydreaming I don't know Um <laughs> but uh, so that's the setup there's a there's a human kind of curled up almost in a fetal position uh, in front of the uh, the first stage compressor um, the the fan um, the front end of the engine case
1: he looks very comfortable I think it's safe to say he does he doesn't nod off and then they forget he's there because I I dare say the second they fire that engine up that'll wake you up quite quickly
5: yeah that would and (laughs) it's it's so because usually when you see a situation like this there's some kind of a Ground support vehicle, like right. underneath the engine or off to the side a little bit, and ladders and that kind of thing. And I don't see any evidence of any of that. So I'm wondering if maybe <laughs> this guy, maybe he's an engineer that they don't that they don't like, Possibly. and they You'll just be. left him up there, <laughs> hoping that nobody will notice.
1: <laughs> Quite. Anyway, that is our picture, beautifully described by Captain Jeff yeah. there. And uh, right, uh, Nev. I'll, I'll leave her. Uh, we'll go. We'll go, Nev and uh, uh, Andy then, if you if you wouldn't mind.
0: Yes, yeah, so James says, are you sure all I need is hearing protection to be safe from a potentially light <laughs> engine? Definitely. Uh, if yeah. that thing turns on, it's going to be really loud and you need to protect your hearing.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good point. And the next one's from Darry. He says, uh, Captain Ground Tech here. Yeah, I can report that there is a large FOD in the W2 engine and I'm working very hard to solve the problem. Uh,
0: Mark says, 99 coming, ready or not. Meaning he's playing hide and seek. Of course, right. Okay.
1: Oh,
2: oh, I see. Okay.
0: Matt, okay. Nothing,
2: nothing to see there. No, okay, sorry. I like the next one. Uh, Steve says Captain Jeff prepares to prank his F4 doing their walk around. <laughs> that would be a good prank. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, don't give him my ideas, he's only got 18 months to go That'd be a shake Another one from James Armando studying for his next type rating because the online training doesn't have enough
2: detailed information
0: <laughs>
2: ah, <yes. laughs> uh, Dirk Simek says Father of four ticks a nap in a jet engine Finally I've found a quiet place to rest
5: <laughs> Yeah uh, Yeah, To accept those
6: risks
0: well, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Ian says, uh, these super economy deals are getting ridiculous.
2: <laughs> uh, Bill says, what's that whining noise? Yeah. Excellent. Not the flight attendants this time.
3: Well,
2: yeah. uh,
0: Sandra says, phew, such a busy day. Maybe I can get 40 winks before this flight leaves.
2: <laughs> yeah. Certainly, yes. Uh, Michael says, ah, the good old JT8. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, right uh, uh, Chris says it's been so hot on the ramp at least I've got a fan blowing
2: I mm. mean
1: I mean it would definitely do that yeah
2: yeah yeah <laughs> uh, says more leg room and a reclining chair
1: <laughs> well quite yes I say, he does look very comfortable there's no two ways about that
0: <laughs>
5: not sure about the leg room though <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, Stuart says uh, "Ha ha, very funny now bring back the ladder.
1: Yes, yeah. this is Jeff at play again here, isn't it? This is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, John says, chief engineer at Ryanair once again got caught up on the hamster wheel of airline cutbacks. Okay. <laughs>
0: Controversial. Uh, John also says, Captain Al wrote in the aircraft log that the engine was whining on taxiing. Uh, engineer closed entry with write up: whining on taxiing. I was bloody furious. He took the
2: steps away. <laughs> 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 Uh, James, again, I've always wanted to try a hamster wheel. This is going to be awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: another one uh, along the ladder, the ladder lines. Again, I'm going to change the language slightly. Oh, God, that's uh, I'll just
1: go for it, Neve. Just go for it. Uh, Stephen <laughs> says,
0: really, again, don't be a knob and bring back the ladder. <laughs>
1: Very appropriate. Is that it? James Grace Brown says the jumpsuit has been relocated to make more room for the captain. Upside, the new location has the best AC on the plane
0: for those hot summer months. Uh, Alex says uh, the new economy
2: minus seating was a big hit. (laughs) Yeah. Simon says, finally some peace and quiet from that screaming trail that was in the seat behind me. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> and our friend uh, John Jester says pilot reports soaring like noise from engine while shut down <laughs> hmm. yeah. it means snoring like yeah new. I think yeah. so
1: yeah, uh, absolutely uh, yeah. uh, oh, some guy called Armando I'm Carrion gone. I've never heard of him no no yeah.
2: oh no <laughs> Yeah, Armando says uh, Peter taking his job to the next level in flight boroscopes. Good point, good point.
0: Yeah, that is the future. (laughs) And finally, from Martin, he says, turn it on, I'll see if I can locate that rattle.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Now, I
5: have to say, Chris and I are are quite disappointed that uh, nobody thought of uh, some kind of a caption uh, dealing with an old Asian lady in coins.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) there there could have been some scope for that, definitely.
3: Yes. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, there we go. Let's try harder indeed absolutely well we'll we'll pass your comments on to the legend that is carlos i'm sure he'll make that part i'm sure you know never want to miss out on any kind of content uh listen we've gone over slightly but not by much so i'm very impressed well done everyone uh it's time to wrap up thank you so very much to jeff and andy for joining us it's been so much fun thank
0: you so much
5: it was a blast pleasure as always
0: Absolutely brilliant. So uh, just a quick uh, rattle through the social media links on uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search uh, your social media for Plain Talking UK. Uh, you can whatsapp the show plus 44 757 224 that's plus 44 757 224 you can email the show podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and the website is www.plaintalkinguk.com you can subscribe to our youtube channel and you'll get notifications when we go live and help shape the conversation of the show by joining us live in the chat room as so many people have done this evening so thank you for much for that and you can go to youtube.com and search for Plain Talking UK you can also become a patreon as well and that is available to you if you go to the Plain Talking UK website and just finally reminder that we will not be here next week because uh, none of us are around unfortunately so we've decided to have a week off literally um, and we should be back in two weeks time on Friday at seven o'clock UK time.
1: But look at it uh, on the positive side; it'll give you more time to be able to squeeze in an, a full APG
2: show. There you go. That's the t- <laughs> absolute. That's the that's the silver lining <laughs>
5: right
3: there. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. I, I think you're going to have to do a, a bumper edition this week, then, Jeff. Six hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Challenge Let's
1: accepted. He said, "Challenge accepted." Uh, say goodbye, Nev.
0: <laughs> yes. Cheers, guys. Have a nice week. Take care.